Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 81 of Beard Artist the Podcast Adjunct Series. This evening, we have a banger. We are staying in Kingston, Ontario this week. We have a back to back. Does it have a name that region? I don't know. It's going to say Bay Quinty, but maybe not. Either way, we are staying in Kingston. This is the brewery that I wanted to. Uh, I've been following them for a while online. I managed to get hold of some of their products through a couple friends uh, over the summer. Extremely impressed. Uh, really excited to actually get the full story direct from the gentlemen themselves this evening. Please welcome, guys. We have Ryan and Adam of Duff Brewing in Kingston and Nathan from Nathan Does Beer and BOSO. Welcome, 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 welcome. Hello. <laughs> welcome, boys. Thanks, hey, guys. How's it going? It's good to be here. <laughs> Great to meet you. This is, uh, this is fantastic. Been looking forward to this for quite a while now, man. Thank you both for taking the time and uh, kicking it with us. Uh, mate, this is going to be great. We are going to be drinking some super interesting beers tonight. I, I really appreciate the eclectic, uh, you know, it's not what I expected. I was like, oh, maybe you know, some Krispies or an IPA because I know that's what you guys are also known for. But we're doing some like off the wall shit tonight and uh, I'm excited. We are starting. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, go, go on, man. I was, yeah, I was going to say, we decided to throw you some curveballs here. With some of the yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, cool. like uh, like you you guys uh, like with your branding and your social media, like like there's definitely a, a weird vibe with it, and the beer selection that you went with matched that. So I th- I think it's pretty on point. <laughs> that's a really good. Yeah. That's a great point, actually. It's hard to define our style sometimes because we like to mix it up a lot. Yeah, yeah. Tell, dive into that a bit. tell us about this one here. Yeah, what are we drinking? Yeah, so what we're what we're starting with. Um, this is Ryan from I'm the head brewer at Daft. Um, we're starting with what we call Friend. It is a pretty unique beer because it's actually a sour beer uh, cider mix. So it's like a hybrid sour beer cider. Okay. So uh, half of it is fresh pressed Ontario apples, um, and it's fermented with a sour beer that we brew in ha- in house. So it's like. Fifty-one percent legally sour beer, um, and then forty-nine percent cider, um, and then so it's fermented out as if we were making just a sour beer, mm-hmm. and we finish it with plums. So after fermentation Jeez. is done, we we let primary fermentation finish, and then we re-ferment on plums, and then we take that uh, final plum sour beer cider hybrid. And we put it in a bottle, and so these are big 750 milliliter pop-top bottles, and uh, it bottle conditions in there. So it even ferments a little bit more in the bottle. So every time I have this over the last few months, it's gotten a little bit drier every time. How long does, it, does this type of product last as far as like... I guess I don't know enough about cider, but uh, I know sour beers can sit for a while, but you've got a clear bottle like that can be problematic, but they, man, they, God, they're sexy, all right? Like it looks so sick in this, particularly with your labels. And then you got the, the pop top. So when people, because you just mentioned a few months, like hanging on to them, like how long do these bad boys last like in this uh, packaging? Yeah, that's a, that's a good I question. We'll, I guess we'll Usually. See. <laughs> <laughs> Usually we have a pretty solid answer on like what lasts for how long so like ipas don't last very long 
uh, sour beers that are fruited, often they don't age super well if it's like a kettle sour. But if it's like a yes. barrel aged sour, you generally want like you'll age it for a while and it'll evolve with time. This is kind of a unique thing. Like when was the last time you had a beer cider hybrid? I don't think and so. I've yeah, never had it, one before. Yeah. So that's where the question mark comes in is like, how stable is that going to be? And I think, well, I, I've had ciders that I've had, I've made and aged in my basement for five plus years and they do great. But when you fruit something, um, you're, you now have residual sugar. So you potentially are going to produce more CO2, which is part of the reason why this has a nice, like strong, high carbonation bottle. Mm. Um, it'll hold seven volumes of CO2, which is two to three times as much of, as a normal beer. Um, and uh, so it's stability is an, it's a good question. It's something we're learning about this ourselves. Okay. Yeah, we really like this one. So it gets frequent QC check-ins. I, <laughs> I respect that. I, this is genuinely fantastic. Like I'm, I'm, as you were sort of talking, I'm like trying to position where this is because obviously, you know, our automatic nature as beer nerds, you're going to be like, all right, so what is this? And how do I classify this and put it in a box? But I kind of feel like it's hitting so many different you know checking off so many things it's it's fascinating yeah yeah it really, yeah, so it really we, is what oh sorry go ahead no i was gonna say this one we um we only bottled this one so we didn't keg any so every ounce that we did ended up in one of these bottles so we we serve this one like a bottle of wines we'll sell this with like two serve it with like two wine glasses at the brewery oh. uh, i was gonna chime in with that okay oh, that makes cool. sense sorry Nate, yeah, so go ahead sorry what um, made, uh, made you think to add, uh, to add plums to it? Where did that mm. uh, like? Because that's an interesting addition when you've like when you've got the when you've kind of got the cider and uh, like and beer thing. Where did the plums come in? Yeah, so it's a good question. Um, and a lot of our beers, like, so it's kind of it's it's interesting that this is your adjunct series because that's maybe one of the things that we sell at at our brewery. Um, it's, it's more my leans into my style. Right. So like I, I'm the type of brewer that adds a lot of shit after the brewing is done. Like, so in the fermenter is what that means. And so, uh, this is being the first cider hybrid cider, sour beer hybrid we've done. I just did it initially without anything and tasted it along the way. And so you go for this journey as it's fermenting and then as it's settling and then as the, it's aging and it was, it was good. It, it, it had like the characteristics without the plum, it had the characteristics of a nice dry cider, mm. but it was pretty one dimensional. Uh, mm. And so I was looking for a way, cause this is pretty special to me. Like something like this, this a, a style like this is really where I want our brewery to be, to be, to produce truly unique, uh, interesting beers. And so I didn't want to release something that I would think is delicious and like good by itself, but may not please crowds. What I wanted is something that's both beautiful and people will just appreciate it. Like they, they love, like people love our fruited sours and like things like that. So I, I know additions of more fruit would make it more of a crowd pleaser. So partially sales are, are part of the reason we added plums and and we knew we were going to put in these nice clear bottles. So I wanted something that was going to be like pink or purple, like, you know, like that, give it a nice hue that would be more appealing. Um, so in the end, I'm very happy with plums because it has that nice depth and complexity. So even as you ferment out the sugar, you get like plums have 
more like the stone fruits in general, I feel like have more like complexity compared to a lot of like yeah. citrus or whatever. So plums, I think feel like was the right choice more and more as it ages. Mm. It's a really like it's a really nice addition, as you say. It does add like it does add some good um, some good dimension to it flavor wise because um, it's like it's definitely adding some like, like you get the flesh in the, like in there and it uh, like and it is elevating the tar- like the tartness of it too, which going along with the cider is pretty like is pretty leaning into uh, into the right direction and and yeah, and you weren't kidding about that color either. Like that is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. It's such a fascinating um, product. As you were talking, like, and explaining the plums, I'm like, yeah, man, the plums are the money here. Like, it really brings it home. I, I see what you mean. Like, I feel like it would have, like, that, like, it complements all the other flavors. It's almost like the plums give, like, the apples, the tartness of, of the apples, and the, the, I guess it's just that great sourness from that beer side of it, just something to sit on and just kind of, like, balances it out. It's, it, you're right. It's the perfect fruit for this one, man. It's a good way to think about it. Yeah, it's good. it adds balance. And for me, as soon as I crack open like the pop top, I immediately smell plums. Mm. Like right away, it's just mm. like the first thing to hit my nose. Yeah. And then it's it's in the aroma. And then you take a sip, and it's like there's plums in there, but it's not like dominated by plum flavor. It tastes to me like a cider with plums. And then I kind of have to like start trying to pull out the beer aspects as I drink it more and more. Yeah, I definitely get that too. Was this the first one that you guys had done of this particular beer or, or anything similar to it? Yeah, on this scale. So, like, I've, I've done a lot of, like, practice brews, um, but this is the first uh, cider sour beer hybrid we've actually done on the big system. Sick. To this ex- to this extent, like, we've added cider into other beers as well. Like, we've boiled, boiled it down and sort of caramelized batches of cider to add it to like our ask apple whiskey beer and whatnot but at this ratio yeah for sure this was uh, a lot of cider went into this bad boy and this is our first time doing lots of things like first time with the clear bottle first time with the swing top um i think this is probably one of our first custom labels that we've done as well okay so all right on. we're still we're still we're still pretty young and you know doing lots of things for the first time yeah man i look it's all about that testing right um, and, and that's definitely a great segue into the, the, the we want to get the history of you guys first, speaking of young, of the of how you guys both individually got into beer and then how uh, how the brewery came about. Um, whoever would yeah, uh, yeah. like to start. Adam, I guess I can like start just with, yeah, more uh, there from the very beginning. So um, it would have been, I think, 2016, I was uh, visiting my friend Greg who we've been friends since we were like five. I was out in Calgary, visited him, and we went to Vancouver and did a brewery crawl there. So, like, I think where we were in the... As one does. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So in the industrial district, and there was, like... So he was kind of showing me the ropes of his favorite breweries. And, you know, there was... I think we hit up, like, 10 in one day, and they were all within walking distance of each other. We had to choose between the, you know, 25 that we could have chosen. Like, the beer scene there is just off the hook. So at the time, I... It was a bit of a vision quest also. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, right. um, the, the, things were consumed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Small little mushroom heads, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it was very fun. and uh, But that, that was sort of what exposed me to the industry as a whole, right? Like, I'm going to say realistically prior to that, my thoughts of craft beer would have just been that it was 
smaller batch beer that was more expensive than buying other beers just because I hadn't really been exposed to it. And then when I was there, it sort of introduced me to what beer could be and, you know, what the beer scene could be like. So um, as the day progressed, we just kept on drinking and shooting the shit. And, you know, I think it was Greg that sort of was like, you know, if I was to start a brewery, here's what I would do right here. Here's how I would watch a brand. Here's what I would do. Here's what I think this brewery's doing great. Here's what I think this one's not doing great or whatever. So we were just, you know, just drinks and conversation led to more discussion. And that sort of became the theme of the, of the tour. And then uh, the next day and over the next week or whatever, we were just, you know, I'm going to say we started talking pretty seriously that one, that night as to like, if we wanted to look into doing it. And then afterwards we just started looking into doing it. And the more we learned about it, the more it seemed appealing to us. Like the industry is just super cool and awesome. Like everyone gets along and sort of builds each other up. Like it's, it's competitive, but it's collaborative, right? Like, like we had a ton of help opening our breweries from all of the breweries that are in our city. That would be our like quote unquote competition. So, um, just everything about the industry we fell in love with. And then that, that was sort of the spark of the idea. And then we knew that we wanted to get a brewer involved early on because we wanted them to sort of be a part of us from the very beginning. So um, then we posted looking for brewers and that's how we met Ryan. So Ryan's been with us since the beginning and he was there for day one of construction and for the next year and a half of construction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's that's uh, in a nutshell the the core from the beginning. And then I don't know if Ryan, you want to add anything about your history of beer or daft? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. We did a lot of construction. We built the place ourselves, um, and I learned a lot about laying stones and <laughs> concrete and all the stuff I didn't think I'd be doing. But it was good. Um, <laughs> that's now, crazy. Now that, yeah, that, yeah, you, you guys, uh, you, you guys built the place yourself. That's uh, like that's uncommon. You know, you know, you hear all of the stories about what people go through to like find the space that they brew in. It's uh, <laughs> you don't usually hear like, yeah. So we built our brewing space, and <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was going to be a lot easier than it actually was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It turned out to be a lot more work. To convert a uh, disgusting abandoned grease laden car garage to what we have now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just jumping back into it. Um, yeah. Before I went, was with these guys, I was a scientist. So my background's in uh, geology and geochemistry um, and was working a lab job. Um, and I was looking like I was moving back to Kingston and looking to like change pace. I didn't really like being in a lab every day. Um, and I'd been brewing beer for like years and years amateurly. Like, so as long as I've been training as a geologist, which is quite a long time now, uh, I've been brewing beer. And so like for about almost 15 years now. Um, so as an amateur for like 12 of those years, um, and my, so I grew up, I was born in California, but grew up a lot of my, young adult life in Wisconsin where we didn't have access to a lot of the cool beers I kept hearing about from my family on the West coast. Right. So everybody's talking about these IPAs, these West coast IPAs that are popping up. And like, occasionally I would get like a Sierra Nevada pale ale if I were lucky. Like, um, and so because I couldn't get my hands on the beers and I kept hearing about them, I'm like, well, I'm going to have to make, try to make it myself. And so like, that's kind of how I got started brewing beer. Mm. Um, and just 
tried to make some like weird things. Like I think my very first beer was a uh, chocolate coffee wormwood stout at like 11% alcohol. And it was just oh. terrible. It's <laughs> <laughs> bold. It was like soup. Uh, <laughs> my friends still drank it though. Cause we're all an undergrad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, sweet, sweet so like hey, you drink what you can at that age. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Doesn't matter how it tastes. But the more I think about it, the, the that was the best start for me because I, it's just been experimental from the beginning, right? So what can I add to beer? What has sugar in it that can I, I can ferment? What can I blend with beer? What what sort of adjuncts can I use? Although at that point I didn't call them adjuncts, I just called it random shit at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, cool. so that continued. Yeah, that continued for a while. I started entering some like, competitions just to actually see if my beers were good. Um, and because your friends always say they're delicious because they they're getting free beer, so obviously it's good. And so entered competitions and learned some hard lessons, and then started winning some awards and got to brew at a couple big breweries in Ontario. I'm like, I really like this. Uh, so the timing worked out perfectly. Where I was coming back to Kingston, I was in Quebec City for a couple of years. Coming back to Kingston, met up with Adam, chatted. We got along really well, and we just kept chatting, and timing worked out perfectly where I started doing construction the day we got back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And yeah, that was cool. What year was the construction starting? Was that 2017, 2018? Uh, I think it was 2018. So we spent, we, we spent a long time writing a business plan and trying to find a location. Right. And when we landed ours, it was probably, yeah, I think it was around summer of 2018. And then it was in like rough shape and we were, um, it took us forever to get permits. So we could only get so far on the space before we had permission from the city to do so, which was a nightmare to get. Um, so we, yeah, 2018 was when we were in there like cleaning, pressure washing, like get, getting it, not disgusting basically um and then uh and then so we opened in january of 2020 so i guess we were kind of like a year and a half from when we got the keys to when we opened our doors okay so then now it's like we're, you're coming up on the two-year uh, anniversary starting next year then. okay so yep. yep okay and then when you opened up um whereabouts in kingston are you guys by the way so we're on Princess we're, Street. Oh, uh, you're Princess. Yeah, so we're yeah, not right we're not quite drag. downtown. Uh, if you if you if basically if you're heading to downtown from anywhere in Kingston, then you will <clears> pass <throat> us about three minutes before you would hit where downtown starts. I would say. Okay, I know what you're talking about. All right, it's going to be like the cool and trendy area in like three years. <laughs> like yeah, high yeah. are going in now, and like. It's it's a little rough, like uh, mostly like used car lots and like auto garages and uh, money marts and a couple right. methadone clinics. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh it's up and coming. Like, it's cool. Like it's it's sweet to be there now because we have like a really cool art scene, uh, and so it ties in. That ties in really well to like building up this community that we're there's there's some great like neighborhoods around us like lots of families that live just north and south of us. And so it's, it's really growing into something beautiful. So it's nice to be here when it's not quite beautiful and get a little street cred. And then in like five <laughs> yeah. years, 
Be like, we've been here since the beginning, yeah, man. Yeah, bro. <laughs> when it was a full and pool. Yeah. And like, and with that kind of vibe of the neighborhood, you like, you guys are definitely, you guys definitely kind of have the right aesthetic for that with those like big, colorful murals on the like on the walls at like you know, really like really like leans into the art scene kind of vibe. So and and which actually leads me to my next question and probably kind of one of the like one of the main questions um, that I think a lot of people would love to ask is can you like can you tell the story about kind of how you came up with the vibe of the brewery because it's it, like it's obviously very unique um, like you guys are like are obviously showcasing some. Um, uh, like a different kind of aesthetic than uh, like than what a lot of breweries would do with it be, like with it being very colorful, very kind of quirky and goofy, and that, that, that like and that very much uh, like shines through in all of your social media and everything <laughs> like that. So, uh, can you talk about that a bit? Yeah. So originally, when we were writing our business plan, we're actually going to be called Hello World Brewing. Um, so my one partner, Greg, uh, he is a computer programmer. So that's what Hello World, Hello World is derived from. And then, so when he was first showing me um, his idea for the branding, it, like I was intrigued by the, the, I'll say the simplicity of the code, but also the color palette. Like it's sort of got the different, I don't know, what, what to me looks like, like 80s sort of retro colors uh, over like a matte black background. Mm-hmm. So that aspect of it, we really liked and mm-hmm. we wanted to maintain when we stopped being Hello World. Um, so... Uh, we switched to Daft because we always kind of wanted to be like fun and inclusive and joke around and silly. And it didn't really line up with anything to do with hello world. So Daft just sort of means like silly, ridiculous, preposterous. And it allowed us to sort of, you know, play that up a little bit. Right. So Hmm. um, that's a bit where like Daft came from. It's sort of just how we wanted to be seen and viewed. Like we didn't want to be pretentious or take ourselves too seriously uh, just because we, yeah. Sorry, that right name right ties right. in pretty well to like the like us quitting our jobs that actually paid pretty well to become <laughs> little Maybe. brewers. On <laughs> yeah, yeah. My one partner Shane would say that uh, Daff would come from just a bunch of <clears throat> us idiots that don't know what we're doing and have no rightful mind to start a brewery at the tip of gentrification in a sketchy neighborhood in Kingston. But right before a pandemic um, too. Yeah, yeah. We knew that <laughs> so was yeah, little, yeah. Little, little did you know as you were uh, as you were building all of this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so we always knew, like the one, one thing we wanted to do was to create a brewery that, if you were to do a tour in town, then I would say like us or hate us, you would remember us, right? And hopefully, there's little of the <clears throat> hating us. But um, so I, even when we were in Vancouver, like like we went to um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Storm, um, but it's just this kind of crazy brewery. It's got this huge mural on the side of it with a bunch of like crazy rats that are in this lab and you walk in, it's just got this weird vibe. You go into any brewery, like when we're on our tour where we were just kind of figuring out as we went along and we're like, where, where would you recommend we go? And every brewery is like, well, you got to go to storm. Right. So I say, yeah. So part of us sort of, you know, in my mind that we, that's what we want to, to be right. So, um, we, I remember we did a, uh, at a conference, we did a branding sort of exercise, and the guy was talking about how a lot of breweries are sort of just like a hyper-masculine man cave, like that either <laughs> wood everywhere or trying to replicate a basement, and that's also not what we wanted, right? So hence the 
massive murals, the sort of 80s Miami vibe, um, and then dive into the local art community, which we are continuously diving deeper into. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a long-winded answer to your question. No, that's great. I want oh, to just add, cool. Cool. add to that as well, like the branding itself. So you talked about the vibe, which I think is key. The branding, like the thing that stuck out, when I first saw you guys online, it's like, God damn, this is like, why haven't I heard of this before? Because like beer branding as like a marketer, like I'm really passionate about beer branding that's thoughtful and interesting and engaging, which is exactly what this is here. Like you explained it perfectly, uh, Adam, with the matte black, black background, the pinks, the blues, the yellows, like this stands out. You you go to a, if you saw this on the shelf somewhere, you would grab it. You drive past it in the street and it looks like this on the outside, you're going to be like, what the fuck is that? Um, where did the idea for that, I mean, it's, I, you kind of touched on that with the Hello World thing, you already kind of had that, but then how did that grow into what it is now, say with the flamingo specifically? Because that's a really very convenient because there's an emoji for that, which you can rock with. And yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to joke, like when we've come up with names for some of our companies and things that we do, we've thought about what emojis could be used ah. by that brand. And I've that's loved clever. that when I'm talking, I, I think it's just like, it's obviously just culture today, right? Like, and I don't know if it was intentional, but it was one of the things whenever I've, I probably only had maybe four or five of your beers prior to this, but it's been super easy if I want to share it to stories or write in the, in, in the caption, I can always chuck a flamingo in there because it looks cool. And it, it just, it's, I don't know, something about it is so dope to me. I just love to hear a bit more about that. Yeah. Well, I'd say to, to be crass, uh, Greg, who is my partner and, does all of our branding, just uh, has a big old boner for flamingos. It's probably been the, the starting point. Um, <laughs> but, Is that an episode uh, name? Yeah. <laughs> so, Maybe not. <laughs> we, we, we went a little deeper than just Greg's uh, fetish for flamingos. And I would say that it, it sort of just matched a bunch of things. Like a flamingo is just kind of like a goofy sort of animal. Um, mm. We wanted a mascot, just like a way that you could see us and identify Daft as a brand. Um, and so, you know, in theory, if you see a flamingo in the world of beer, then you would just think of us, even if it doesn't say daft anywhere. Right. Um, and then, uh, also just, I mean, the color, like, so our sort of main two colors would be the pink and teal. And so I just sort of matched that as well. Um, there was one, there's a video of planet earth that shows uh, a bunch of ma male flamingos walking around in unison to this stupid music, just doing their mating ritual, just like walk in they're, they're, they're just going like this and just looks ridiculous and when i saw that i was like okay yeah greg yeah we'll do flamingos that that convinced me <laughs> um, yeah and then uh what else can i say about the the flamingo probably that's, that's it for that um that i'm gonna say like as far as our labels are branding in a whole there was definitely some inspiration from some other breweries uh, just as far as their success and what they're doing so the two that i could jump it would be collective arts and flying monkeys are mm. they, I think they both do two things incredibly well. Um, they're, it's very unique and art forward, but if I was to, if let's say I'm at the LCBO and I'm standing 10 feet away from any beer shelf, <laughs> I could look at any one of their beers and say that is collective arts. That is flying monkeys. Yeah, I would not get them confused for one of 10 of other, you know, 10 different breweries or, whatever. So we sort of wanted to try and create something that would be that for us as well. So um, even if we've got one of our one-off labels, ideally it would still be somehow associated to uh, be easily recognizable to mm. something that we pumped there. Hmm. 
that's great. That's such a great parallel, particularly those two breweries that I'm just visualizing as you said it, and those two are very distinct. The other one I thought you were going to say was that one of the beers, uh, one of my mates went was in, in PC over the summer, so he was there. And I'm like, yo, just I went to your website. I was like, yo, grab me this, 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 this. And one of them was the uh, the pills, the cool, 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 which I imagine is from the Lonely Island thing. When he's like, cool, cool, cool. No? From the Lonely uh, Island? I think it's Lonely Island, uh, isn't uh, it? It's, Brooklyn, think, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, probably, you're thinking uh, of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. The, uh, the yeah, other yeah. Sandberg. My bad. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, the other one. Yeah. Okay. Love that. Sick name. But that reminds me of Other Half, where, like, you know, if, if you have, like, their, uh, you know, the, the broccoli or the, um, what's the, what's the one? Those weird name beers that, that oh, I haven't had them in so long because I don't go anywhere anymore. But the, um, <laughs> those beer where they just have, like, the patent, because you got to have the flamingo, like, da, 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 like, five, six times across the label. That reminded me a lot of those. And that those beers obviously have a very distinct, uh, you know, image in that world. I know, obviously, you're referring to Canadian stuff, but that reminded me of that. A bit as well in a, okay. in a completely awesome way that uh, just really stood out. And also, you use high quality, um, like this metallic backing. You can sort of see through the back of the thing here. You got the metallic back, which obviously the the shine on on the labels. That also really stood out to me. The fact that you guys uh, obviously these are significantly more expensive than the straight paper ones or whatever. So you know, uh, I'm gonna say we we almost couldn't have chose a more expensive label. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I think they look nice, so, you know. I love it. No, that's, uh, that's great. Okay, sick. That makes sense with the Flamingo. So someone else, Nate, if I just jump in, they are, since we're talking about the beginning stuff, I wanted to hear about what, first of all, what you opened with, like the beers that you opened with in January last year, but also sort of what was the intention? You touched on it like uh, earlier. I don't even remember if it was on the call or beforehand when we were talking about the, you know, the cider blend and stuff. You wanted to do very unique beers that, kind of stood out but what was what, going into it you know every brewery has their kind of oh we're going to make maybe a haze brew we're going to be just doing that or we're going to make farmhouse we're doing barrel eggs like what was your intention as well behind the products that you were you're going to put out particularly under a brand this eclectic that is this sort of um unique and that stands out among particularly in the region i feel like it's like you've, you've gone 10x more standing out if you did this in toronto it would stand out but you did in kingston which is a growing scene. Obviously, you know, Bay of Quinty going to Belleville and Prince Edward County and stuff is really growing right now. And there's some really great stuff happening in that whole region, which makes me very happy. But, like, I think what you've done makes it it's even bolder move out there. So, yeah, just be curious on, on what you guys are, what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, Ryan, you want to tackle this one? Our initial vision on, like, what we, what we wanted to do for our style of beers kind of thing? Yes. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, on a broad scale, it's it's a lot of what you were just saying. So, like, how can we create something that's actually new? Something that isn't just a stout with cinnamon buns in it or something like that. Um, how? Do, which don't get me wrong, I'll I'll drink the hell out of that. But oh, yeah. uh, how do we make something that's completely unique? And so that that was one aspect of of. It's, it's part of what we do. It's not like we make crispy boys. I, I drink crispy boy nearly every day. You want to end your day with something light and easy. Oh, yeah. um, so yeah. we make them because we drink them and we know people want to drink them. We make IPAs and I love IPAs. I'm, I'm a hazy boy. Um, I love New England style IPAs. We make a lot of those. But if you're really going to probably fall into our category of like how, and I think this is like 
the community has put us into this category more and more. Uh, we're like largely known as a, a sour beer brewery. Uh, and that's uh, mostly like uh, fruited sours, sour IPAs, um, and just like very unique styles in the sour realm. I know that. Like, um, yeah. And so it's, I, I find sour beers to be like, we can make them pretty well. Like we're, we're pretty experienced making sour beer. So that, that helps to have that base knowledge, but I find them to be a great platform to create truly unique things. Right. Like, mm. and not only that, but, uh, it, it's something sour beers are, they have a lot of, they have a bad rap with a lot of people, mm. but they're also a gateway for a lot of people to drink beer. So like wine drinkers, I don't want to like, say women or men, but like it is a draw for like a lot of wine drinkers and a lot of, I'm, I'm going to say it even though I don't want to, a lot of women to get into the beer drinking world and which isn't like, it's not like it was 20 years ago. So there are a lot of women drinking beers, but like this is a great gateway for people that prefer wine uh, because it has a lot of similarities and I, I don't think they know that like they don't necessarily have to know that these similar mm. what they are. They just know that they like it for a reason, mm. but like sour beers have almost the same pH as wine. Uh, they are drier. So less residual sugar in the beer, which leans for me into less hangovers. Um, and they're often like fruitier on that side, like, like a wine or whatever cocktail, things like mm. that. So it, what I find is I try to make beers that I want to drink myself and my favorite beers are pink beers and purple beers and like things with fruit and, um, and like basically how do I make every beer we make taste like juice? <laughs> and so, yeah, a lot of it falls into that realm. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's, that's interesting because uh, it's, it's one of those things of like as the, the like as the beer world was the, like was kind of getting a bit more experimental. Like you know, you'd get like, like I, and you guys probably get this a lot from like from people who are less <laughs> like less craft beer drinkers. They're thinking like, like well, this beer doesn't look like beer, or like like or this beer doesn't taste like beer. It's uh, like. Like kind of pushing the boundaries of what like of what beer can be like because like you know like so many people don't know sour beer is not like is not like a new like a new hip trendy thing like so like sour beers have actually like are actually a pretty ancient style it's just mm. this is just kind of the modern iteration of uh, like of sour beers and you guys like you know kind of really going like extra um like really extra just kind of with what uh, like what kind of juicy flavors you can create and how to like you know how do we make one that's like bright orange and <laughs> like and and things like that it's like you say it's it's a platform it's a canvas like it, it like there's really like like with whatever you want to add to it there's so much you can like that beer can like can really be and beer can like can really taste like it really is kind of like a blank canvas yeah, yeah there's a million different ways you can go and flavor profile alcohol sweetness bitterness like you can hit all the senses yeah um yeah like my wife loves our sours because exactly that she says they don't taste like beer right so she's not like a lager person 
Um, but so when we first opened, we this would go into the realm of things that we didn't want to do, and we recognize that um, a lot of breweries, at least at the time, seemed to open up and they would have the same different versions of the same four beers. They would have a stout or a dark beer, an IPA, a pale ale, and then a red or something like that, right? So yep. we sort of didn't didn't want to just follow mm. that trend as well. So um, up up until what like two weeks ago, a month ago. We did not have a mainstay, so there was never like a, a beer that would be, yeah. So, um, and we just got our first not that long ago, and then we'll see what, what's on the horizon. So, I'm gonna say we've had what, like 70, 60, Ryan, individual styles of beers in the two years that we've been open. Yeah, it's around there. We're on our nearly <clears throat> 100th batch, and, and most of those were individual like not repeats mm, okay and it was that an intentional approach because that's fascinating that uh, and well it's fascinating but it's also um i guess it's kind of common that people don't really have flagships because they can get kind of overlooked and like oh that beer is always around and that's the one that you'd probably pop in the lcbo to you know to grow that brand awareness and to sort of to tap into a whole new market um so I understand both you know, the criticisms of it, but the, the pluses of it. What made you guys decide to finally, after you know, nearly two years, to be like, yo, let's pick a flagship? And what was it? Um, so uh, boring enough, it's a light lager. So <laughs> it's, it's, true. it's a very light lager. lager. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's just, it's, it's, we, we, instead of having a beer that is consistently available, what we aim to do is have a, beer something that would fit into a certain beer category or style so we would always want to have an easy drinker so that might be a dry hot pilsner it might be a grisette it might be a lager but like we need we need to have an easy drinker we need to have something that that guy comes in and you know i only drink bud light what do you got for me give me a beer that's a beer <laughs> so we gotta you know have that um and then so the light lager just sort of checked all the boxes and then um Ultimately, there was just a demand for it. Um, there was, a, I think, it probably started because there was a restaurant in town, uh, Shady Piggy, that just like they we've been on tap there for a bit, and they just sort of wanted to uh, replace a different tap that they had, and they wanted something consistent. And mm. up until this time, we I'm going to say we would have had, I've heard it been called like a rotating tap or a black tap before, where instead of us having the same, like we we might own that tap, but. It would be different beer all the time, but they wanted the same thing consistent over and over. So, hmm. just sort of became a, it's time. This is what they want. Um, it's we really like it, so let's run with it. Okay. Yeah. Is that and cool. see, you're, you're absolutely right that it was like there's some challenges that come with rotating your beers all the time. Like, like it's it's what we love to do. We love to make new beers all the time, and we've we've got a customer base now that loves it like whenever we have a new beer release it's like people are there like yeah. when we re when we post it on instagram like so it's pretty great because our instagram following is pretty nice like it's it's like uh it's grown significantly way faster than we thought it would uh, and i think that's has a large part to do with it because that's how we announce our new beer that's how we announce what's happening in the brewery um but yeah it's, it's, a, logistic, it's, uh, it's a logistical nightmare but <laughs> it's how we like to drink when you, when you have restaurants that just want to have the same menu for the next six months. Like you can't change your beer every two months. Yeah. Uh, and so we're, we knew we'd fall into this eventually. And I think I'm happy we did it this way because we've made 
probably like 15 different versions of light beers, and this is by far the best one. And so if we decided to, to keep the grisette we started with, uh, it's a good beer, but it's not like it's not a crisp, as crisp as this light lager. It's not as, it's not as refreshing. And, and if we're going to make this our refreshing, crisp, crispy boy, then make it as crispy as you can. Hell yeah, so that's what this beer is trying to do. Okay, and uh, you, you might have said this. Uh, they, I, I, I may have lost it in the audio. What, what was the name of the like of the light logger that uh, the, 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 that you guys keep? We call it Bare Naked, Bare Naked which Bare Naked. Okay, in a little bit to our our fruited sour series, which we call Never Nude. So Bare Naked is like kind of the growth from that. I love it. Right. So it's, that's it's, amazing. It's one of our. I'll say it's a. You know, a lot of our beers have some sort of addition or some second element going on to it. And this was just bare naked. It is what it is. There's nothing else going on with it. I love that. Yep, that's that's, uh, yeah, that makes sense. That's uh, that, that's good, consistent uh, naming there. Um, you just reminded me of something because uh, um, like with Never Nude, that's one of those things of every time you release that, there's always some very interesting uh, <laughs> like Instagram <laughs> posts on there. Who on the team is it who's willing to uh, dress up as Tobias from Arrested Development there? Okay. Are they all, so everybody's like, volunteering for it. Yeah, yeah. There's, I think there's been maybe six of us so far, and Ryan's on deck. So if you. Uh, oh, really? If you, like, <laughs> if, 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 you, if you feel like vomiting in about a month, then <laughs> keep. <laughs> you don't want to see this hot bod? Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course we do, Ryan. Of course we do. God damn it. Thank you. Um, uh, oh. uh, the problem is I take the photos. So if I'm not taking Ooh. the photos, how am I supposed to trust the person to take good photos of me? Yeah, that's yeah. a problem. That's, that's a conundrum that's a right challenge. there. It's, mm-hmm. it's always everybody your whole life, Ryan, that's been taking the photo. It's not you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I blame them for sure. Yeah. Um, on that it's, note. It's funny. Go on. Sorry, man. We, uh, I was going to say, when, whenever we post them, um, like usually those uh, are pretty popular we get a lot of activity on our social media platform when we do a never nude shoot and like clockwork every every time we do it we probably lose about five followers before <laughs> we gain another 10 yeah, like the hour we post it we lose five. just yeah, so people yeah, know just, like, just, if, if just, they aren't watch it go down yeah let's try if to give you're an example familiar with with never nude it's um it's a reference to arrested development there's a character tobias flinke Yunke, uh, sorry everyone. Uh, he is a never nude, which means that underneath his clothes, even his underwear, he wears jean cut off shorts. And so oh, that guy, nude, the bold guy. Yeah, when he's yep. completely nude, Yo. he's wearing jean cut off shorts. So never nude series is the name of our sour beer series, a fruited sour beer series. And so every time we release a fruited sour, a never nude, we have another staff member that always men so far. <laughs> Uh, that are posing <laughs> yeah. in in these jean cut off shorts, so uh, just com- uh, completely nude otherwise. And I'm I take all the photos, so I have so many f- naked photos of our staff <laughs> on the <my> phone. <laughs> yeah. Do you have That's HR? Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're HR. So. Uh, you are HR. Yeah. yeah You're yeah, safe. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> Everyone's happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I love it. On that note, do you guys feel like going for something, going for the next one? Cracking mm-hmm. something pretty crazy. I mean, I mean, yeah. really want to try this next beer. I know we're yeah, all kind of like, this is like so crushable. I had to like 
like chill because uh, <laughs> just yammed it up. It's, it's gold. That's a lot you of guys, in there too. Yeah, well, it's just going down to 6%, but it's so damn smooth. And this is my first beer of the night. I always make sure not to drink before a podcast so I can go hard, go hard. Yeah. You. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, that, would have been, that would have been smart. You know, <laughs> I'm a vampire, so to me, I, I just, it's okay. It kind of works out in my timing. This is about the time I start drinking anyway, so it worked well. I'm going to go grab that beer. Uh, do you have to grab it too, Nate? Yeah, I do. All right, you know, you it's grab okay. it first. You, 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 you. Yeah, you go ahead first. I'll be two seconds. Two seconds. Yeah, sure. Tell us about the beer in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about. um, Tell us about Crunchy Grove, this bright orange carrot beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Crunchy Groove. Crunchy Groove. Crunchy Groove. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's a common one. It's a common mistake. So the reference. So all just quickly before we get into it, all of our beer names are references to some sort of popular culture. And so yeah, Crunchy Groove is, is a reference to South Park, like when all the hippies move into town uh, or they're, they're there for some okay. huge festival or something. And so they're all just like riffing on some Crunchy Grooves, man. They're <laughs> just playing some like jam band, Grateful Dead music. And so this is our naturalist beer, we call it. Um, it's, it's basically healthy. It's un- unofficial. That's not a stance that Daft is taking. But it's basically healthy. <laughs> it's um, it's a carrot beer, but really it's uh, made with carrots, and we forage spruce tips every spring, so those are in here, and Jesus. a lot of fresh ginger that we peel ourselves. Um, half of my job is peeling either citrus or ginger. Why do you have to peel the ginger? Uh, is it bitter or something? Yeah, the peel has a lot of like bitterness, especially if you boil it. Um, but also, like, you got to be careful with ginger. Like, uh, I'm not sure if you ever heard of ginger bug. No, it's basically lactobacillus or bacteria. If like, if you're making pickles, lacto pickles at home, a lot of times people will just say, "Use a little ginger bug. Cut off a piece of ginger, toss it in there. It'll start fermentation." And what that hmm. means is it's covered in bacteria. And so, if you don't peel oh, it and, and or boil it hard you're going to infect your beer with a ton of bacteria. So ginger is kind of like one of those ones that usually just goes into the boil. Interesting. This is is a lesson that you learned firsthand before you, (laughs) as a homebrew. It is. One of my first ginger beers turned sour, which was actually a blessing because this was, that was one of the first sour beers I really loved. And now look at me, I'm like a sour beer brewer. Um, But yeah, we're actually going to make the sour ginger beer at the brewery next month. Wow. Oh, nice. Um, what's the – so it's like a sour base with ginger um, and that's it? Yeah, so a ton of ginger. So it's we, – we use ginger as accents in a few different beers. Um, but this beer is like – it's if you've ever had a, had a ginger beer, like an actual like ginger beer, not the soda or the pop mm-hmm. or whatever, if you, um, it's alcoholic and it's, it's got a nice heat to it, warmth. This like this beer is like that, so it has a ton of ginger. So you'll get some warmth on your throat, um, but the sourness like really dries out the beer, and yeah. the tartness plays into the earthiness. So as long as you don't go too sour in the beer, uh, it's a really nice, delicate balance across the palate. But if you go too sour, it's a it's a lot. It becomes hot, it can be pretty intense and, and low. Yeah, mouth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I have. I start. Yeah, I, I think. I. I, I I think you've hit that here because like, because it really is not too intensely sour. Um, 
like it like there's a like, like there's a little bit there but it's not uh, like but it's not too overpowering and and yeah like the the, the ginger yeah, really so this, does shine this one is actually sorry to interrupt but yeah this one is actually so I was, I was mostly describing another beer in the future this one is actually just it's not quite a sour beer it's like it falls in the middle oh, ground okay. between uh, a regular beer and a sour beer it's got a pretty, gotcha. probably around four three nine somewhere in there um, so it's, it's in the middle ground, then. but it's nice, nice yeah. perception to pull that out actually. Mm. Yeah. I, um, I start every day with ginger tea, like a great ginger and I've got a uh, cayenne pepper and I pour that in there and then I boil it up for like 15 minutes and then I chuck in some lemon and that's like, it just clears you out for the start of the day. So I fucking love ginger. So I was very happy to have that in here. And I know it's a bit of a polar, like my girlfriend can't stand it, but I'm making her sneeze in the morning because of kind of what you were saying. I imagine as okay. soon as you were talking about it, you're like, well, when you boil it up, it does. I'm like, yo, because I just get the ginger. I don't peel it. I just like grate it up, chuck it in a pot, throw on some cayenne and boil that bad boy up. And it makes, I'm sneezing. My nose is already running before I even drink it. It's wicked. I love it. It <laughs> clears you out. So like, it's fascinating to hear that the skin actually can cause some stuff. And ginger is not the easiest uh, thing to peel because it's got the little grooves because they're all little like fingers or whatever that are growing on the damn thing. So that's oh my gosh, it's a it's a lot of work. It's, yeah, it's man, done I, by hand, right? Oh my gosh, a... craft beer, guys. It's not a joke. This beer is one of the most unique beers I have had in quite some time. I mean, like the color on this is kind of like a slightly pink orange, completely kind of like carrot juice. The head dissipated pretty quick. I imagine that's because of the fruit and the vegetable kind of content in there. Yeah, and the pH, maybe like a sour beer. Off they go pretty quick. Hypertension, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm definitely kind of getting... I would chalk it down to Ryan's skill as a brewer. <laughs> <laughs> poor hypertension. Yeah, yeah just, you know. I think you going to say poor hygiene. I was like, yeah, yeah. We have a shower at the brewery, and I don't know if that's a subtle hint or what. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is crazy. So, what do we like? Okay, so it's you know, ginger, the forage, spruce tips, and the carrots. So, I feel like carrots in and of themselves in a juice format don't really produce a lot of flavor. It's probably more for the color. I imagine there's probably the earthiness from that, which is then accentuated by the the spruce tips are subtle though. Like you didn't go overboard, which I appreciate because those things can be hit or miss. And even the ginger's pretty chill. Everything's pretty like tame here, like in a in a nice balanced way. That's not um, like you read the label and it can either be like, oh my god, that's fascinating, or like get that away from me. I guess depending on what you're into. This does not. I feel like the people who even wouldn't be interested in it on paper would not be offended at all. It's it's much smoother than I and much sort of more um, I guess balanced maybe is the word than than Thanks, yeah. Appreciate than, it. That's uh it's it's taken a long time to get a carrot beer to a point where people enjoy it. <laughs> that's fair. And uh, it's something I've been so working this- on for like ten years. Oh, okay. So, okay. So, so this was, uh, this was a bit of an experiment for uh, like from your home brewing days to, uh, uh, like to get it to this point that it was, uh, releasable at the brewery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, <laughs> anything with sugar in it, I tried to ferment and I did ferment. Yeah. And yeah, so, like, yeah. 
Oh, see, well, mm-hmm. okay, so see that kind of that, that kind of experimentation is pay, is paying off then, because because this is like this is just awesome to yeah. uh, like to have a, like a, a beer that, that that's like this crazy looking, um, that, like and uh, that, like but still like is still able to uh, like but still is able to taste this interesting and kind of like and kind of be that intriguing. That's uh, like that's well done. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's um, it's. Not for the faint of heart, you know. Carrot beer is a little scary in the name. It is. When um, Ryan has been, sorry, uh, Ryan, no, no, Ryan has been wanting to brew a carrot beer for so long since <laughs> since before day one. I feel like that's the only reason Ryan wanted to be a brewer was so he could brew a carrot beer. <laughs> one of so when we when we first were meeting Ryan and chatting with him, he brought a bunch of beers over, and we obviously really enjoyed them. And then again, before we opened one of the beers that Ryan, oh no, this was uh, before we opened, but after we had brought you on, you did a bunch of carrot beer experiments. And my one partner, Shane, um, he enjoys to drink and throwing a drop of alcohol down the drain is utter blasphemy. And he must <laughs> oh, have had okay. He's one, of, one those. of the original carrot beers in his fridge for and they were, just, just, they were not good. They were not good. There's a lot of failed experiments that behind this carrot beer. <laughs> I, I think yeah. that's part of the, part of the journey with this. You don't have a choice. There's not really like a predecessor that you can mimic. I remember finding one here in Quebec when I first moved here. Um, I didn't really. It was like 2012, 2013 when I tried it, like a long time ago. But I'd never really seen it since. So when Nate was going there this summer. I was like, dude, get carrot beer. He's like, yeah, definitely. And I was, that was the one beer I was fascinated by. We have a bit of a joke amongst our beer media friends of like hashtag team innovation in beer because a lot of the beer purists don't like innovation. They get mad at smoothie sours and lactose and fun, goddammit. Mm-hmm. So this to me, I just like anyone who like who give, I appreciate and value a brewery that will give something like this a try. And fortunately, like you guys pulled this off. This is fantastic. It's such a – I didn't really know what to expect looking at it, reading about it. And now I'm trying. I'm like, wow, you just really sort of made this nice little concoction work. It's, it's not over the top. But I just appreciate the fact you even you know, swung, swung for it and gave it a crack. You know, like it's, uh, it's not super common that people would probably give something like this a try, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, yeah. this is one of the more polarizing beers that we've done. And this one I think like even if uh, – I feel like almost by default, your mind doesn't go to, oh, carrot beer, this is going to taste fantastic. So, <laughs> even, no? e- even, the, yeah, even, even the people that like might not love it, I think like, you know, they would say, oh, it tastes better than I thought it would, right? Or but then some people, it's just a home run. It's their like, favorite beer that we've ever done. Um, Interesting. So, I, yeah, so yeah, I, I can for, say this one. For, for, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead and finish, Adam. <laughs> No, no, I, I, you go. <laughs> okay, no, I, 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 I was just gonna say, like, like, because there's not really like a reference point for carrot beers, it's not gonna be something that most people have tried. So, you're, like, you're either going to get one of two reactions: you're gonna think carrot beer, what the fuck is that? I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not even gonna touch that. Or you're gonna get so, like, or you're gonna get someone saying like carrot beer, that's fucking weird. I want to try that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the people we're yeah, after. So, the latter. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so the one the one thing I don't want to like category I don't want to follow, and I think that we go out of our way to avoid this is doing something just to be gimmicky, right? Like throwing a 
um, I don't know, whatever, like you know, a dozen pumpkin pies into a mm. pumpkin beer just to just to do it, right? So I think Ryan, I'll give him credit where credit is due, is uh, when he brews a beer, he's thinking about the overall balance and and trying to like have it come together as a whole, right? So this isn't yeah. some, oh, we should throw carrots in a beer to make it orange because people will buy it. This is This is Ryan dying to brew a carrot beer for 10 years and then working tirelessly to figure out how to make it work. Uh, well, and, and that's an important, uh, th- th- that's an important distinction to make, right? Cause, uh, it's like, especially, especially now, like, like with a lot of the hype chasing that goes on, like that goes on in this industry, it's, I think it's easy for some, uh, like for some brewers and for uh, like, and for some hype chasers to, to kind of lose their minds over something like, oh, this is like, you know, this has marshmallow fluff and, uh, um, or like, or like you say, like, like pumpkin pie in it or like in it or whatnot. But it's, you know, it, it's good to ride, like to ride that fine line of like, here's something like, here's something is that's quirky, but we've actually gone to great lengths to make sure that it tastes good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think part of the fascination for me came from the very first time I made carrot beer. I tasted it. I'm like, this tastes nothing like carrots. I can't, like, after all of the sugar was fermented out, because that's what happens during fermentation, for those that don't quite know. Uh, sugar is eaten by the yeast and produces alcohol and CO2. And so when you're done fermenting, all the sugar has gone. So what does a carrot taste like without sugar? Like I thought it was an experience I had never had before. Like, hmm. and, and see, you said it earlier and I was surprised when you said it, it earthy. It's very, very earthy. Carrots taste yep. like what that's cut the bullshit. They taste like dirt. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you make a beer that tastes like dirt taste delicious? And so like you, for me, it's lean into the other earthy, but much more rich, flavorful things. So like ginger is very earthy, but also spice yep. and lots of like other subtle things going on there. Uh, and then spruce tips are very, very earthy to me, but have that like twang of like a pine tar kind of thing. So balancing those the three things was like the compromise I made to make a carrot beer. I had to add other things in the end. I love that. I wanted to actually ask, what's the format of the carrots? Are you juicing it and then putting carrot juice in, or are you just chucking in bad boys in? Yeah, it's uh, we do a combination of things at the brewery with like our fruit, and so depending on the the batches. So this one is actually yeah, it's a carrot like puree basically. Puree. So uh, oh okay, yeah. so it's not. Um, are you doing like like the puree? I know exactly what you're talking about. Like any other fruit, I didn't know you could get carrot puree i thought it was like raspberries and shit but the yeah the i think ca- you can get just about anything Inter- I, just, I just didn't know that you could get like carrots like that I, I, like that's fascinating so then you put and that has, i guess it has the sugars in it but when you're boiling it, whether you're boiling it or whatever you're doing with it it would be it would remove residual sugars and go from there as opposed yep. to what you were saying with the ginger so therefore the next question is why use puree for the carrots when you use the real ginger that you have i mean i guess if you use your own carrots you gotta fucking sit there and like peel them bitches like yeah 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 it's a good question um it's it's it comes down to the how the fruit comes through in the beer and so ginger puree is um it's not something i've used before because i i prefer i i preferred 
if I can to do it myself. Like, so we, we try to get flavors as close to like from fresh as possible. So we don't use extracts. We don't use flavorings like religiously Good. and, and, um, and we don't use ingredients that have those things in them. Um, but, but so like we peel ginger cause I know it works really well. Uh, but with carrots, I've tried them a few different ways. So I've, I've just chopped them up, but like and put them in the boil and you get, you get carrot flavor, but you don't get like the texture. I've juiced them, but you, when you separate the juice from the solids, you ferment out most of the sugar and you lose most of the flavor. Um, and so it's, it's very hard for us to make a puree on our own. We don't have like the machinery to like grind it all up and like, uh, have it all in like one mass as in a font, like as fine as they can do it. So like mm. we, we deal when we want purees, we deal with like trusted sources of fruit products, basically like where it's just that the sense. fruit that's aseptic. So like it's basically like the fruit and then pasteurized. Love it. That's awesome, man. The other thing, though, how have people, and you guys kind of touched on it, like what's been the general response? Because this is a pretty extreme beer as far as, like, and tell me if I'm stressing here, like in a, in a place like Kingston that maybe they don't have the, you guys don't have the same volume of craft beer nerds as somewhere like Montreal or Ottawa or Toronto does. Obviously, it's growing the fact that you guys and a bunch of other fantastic breweries are, are really operating out of there. Um, how do people respond to this? What's the vibe of they can't, like... Is it is it pretty down the middle or is it like extreme to either side? What's the what's the deal? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, Adam, you could go ahead. Oh, well, I, I think it's been pretty good. Like uh, our bottles mm-hmm. sold out relatively quickly. Like we had to set some aside pretty early when we were chatting with you guys just to make sure that we didn't sell out because we're, <laughs> we're all gone now. Um, so Sorry. I, Sorry, I would say that that uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's been reasonably good. Like, uh, you know, it's, I think when people see a orange beer come out, they instinctually think, what is that? And then they want to try it. And then, um, I think that it's, it's one of those things. I think that regardless if you would like it or not, you would like to try it once for a lot of the adventurous crowd, like I, I would say has become sort of the crowd that might come to daft more often. Um, and so I think it's been, I don't want to say surprisingly well received, but I think it's been reasonably well received. You could say it. It's fine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just to add on to that. I think, I think that's a big part of it. Like people that are curious and want to try it. So that those are largely our bottle sales or like they'll come and buy a pint or whatever. Um, but what I think is that in Kingston, it's been, it's kind of been treated like this, like safe place. We don't want to be too experimental with a lot of restaurants, with a lot of everything. Like, so we have this kind of like old guard in Kingston where Mm. there's a lot of like, I don't want to talk trash, but like there is a lot of like older style, like supper clubs and things like that, that have just survived forever and ever because people didn't want to really experiment or like go out on a limb. But now like there, there are like a key, there's like, a new Kingston vibe that's happening right now. Like it's not just yeah. breweries. It's like there's restaurants that are popping up and they're being like, like super out there. Uh, there's like, yeah, just people that are doing like artists. There's an art scene that's really growing. Like there's a ton of like young trendy vibe that's like kind of developing on its own. I think a lot of it's like people see what's happening in Toronto and Montreal and like wherever, Vancouver, the States. And 
they want to be part of it. It's, it reminds me of me in Wisconsin when I was hearing about all those delicious beers happening on the West Coast and I couldn't do it. So people keep hearing about it here and now people are making it happen. And so mm, yeah. what I think is we're, we're filling this void where like there are these people here. They might not be as obviously as big a group as like uh, in Toronto or wherever. Uh, but we have, we have young people that want to spend money on unique experiences and unique products. And we've, we found, we were, we were surprised by it too. The, the response, I think we were all just like, okay, let's go into this without flagships. Let's go into this and make sour beers. Why not? And like, it's, those are our best selling beers, man. Like people, we, people come in when we make new things, right? Every single yep. time, it's like those like, people want the new stuff. Yeah, I think you're, I, I think you're right that the scene is um, it, like it's it, like it, it's definitely it's definitely been growing. Like it's no accident that um, that like in the same year you guys and Fine Balance a little like like a little ways away like opened up in the same year, um, and like you guys are like are maybe like less than ten minutes down the road from Stone City, who are one of like who are one of the OGs in the city. Like, like they've been around for a little while. They've like they've got a bit of a different style, but not far from there, there's like a third wave Australian style. The, like cafe that the, like that's opened up like yeah north the, side the, they're fantastic part of new yeah yeah that, yeah that, that that's exactly the ones I, uh, like the, the one i'm referring to and like that's a sign of like of that kind of creativity in, in, like just in the general market being on the rise you know mm. that's awesome i'm not i went to actually yeah. i was gonna tell you guys afterwards i'm going to prince edward county in a couple of weeks so i was going to come see you guys but uh, sweet. that got me excited because one thing i found and this is kind of touching on what nate was just saying but also what you guys were saying earlier about the new thing i'm really big on third wave coffee so so is nate i, I imagine you guys might be into that as well and i found that in prince edward county proper there was there was one place that had pilot beans from toronto in picton that did Montreal or Toronto level quality coffee. And that was the one thing I felt like, wow, because the beer is getting really good in this whole region, but coffee was lacking. So this, I just followed, I just found Northside. I'm just uh, saying this to my girlfriend now, but yeah, we need, we need to go here. Um, yeah. That's it. Fantastic. I, I love hearing that. The, the, the thing I wanted to just sort of like expand on from what we were just saying was like, okay, so I love hearing what you just said, Ryan, about that Kingston has this new wave of people and, and you know, you guys and the fine balance and these cafes and these like restaurants and the art scene and all this stuff that's really this new blood and this new vibe into what would traditionally be, I don't know, like maybe a bit of an older demographic areas that maybe people go because it's quite a life after the city, you know, they retire and they're like, you know what, let's get out of the city and go somewhere chill. They has, still have a bunch of like, you know, uh, what's the word? Like, and I was going to say amenities. It's probably the, the wrong thing. But, you know, it's not like a tiny little town. Like Kingston's a pretty big, you know, uh, town slash city in, in, uh, that isn't one of the major ones. But it's cool to see that. And I'm, I'm typically watching the Prince Edward County side because it's something I'm sort of super into. But then you guys are like, you know, 20, 30 minutes away. And it seems to be all be growing. Like I'd, I'd love to hear more about that, about the, cause like the fact that you guys would even attempt such a, this would not look out of place in Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Wisconsin these days, you know? Shouts to New Galeris, by the yeah. way. I love that shit. 
Oh, um, my new Glarus. Yeah. Right, killer. I got a friend in Vermont who's from Wisconsin. So before in the before times, every time I saw him, he always gave me the um, what's the cow beer? I've never been playing. Uh, spotted cow. Spotted cow. Every time, every time he always gave it to me. I was like, what the fuck is this? Why you keep giving me this beer? Now I understand the the vibes. Yeah. But um, new Glarus. Everybody yeah. you know it. It's uh, one of the Classics. top-ranked breweries in the world, and it's only sold in Wisconsin. They tried to expand beyond the borders and just couldn't do it. Wisconsinites love it so much they couldn't keep up with supply. Look at that. That's a beautiful Amazing. thing. Yeah, I just love to like, like what what's happening? Why is this change happening in that whole region? Speaking, you know, from Kingston throughout Prince Edward County and whatever that in, in, you know incorporates out there. What's going on out there? Is it is it the like my guess would be, it's a exodus from the cities due to the pandemic to a degree, which I think is probably not the only thing though, because I think it started three to five years ago and it started to accumulate a little bit more lately. But you guys were ahead of the curve, uh, you know, opening a place like this out there. And to me, it's just so dope. I'm the city kid. I've never really been out in the in, in the rural areas or not the fucking Kingston's a rural area. But you know what I'm saying, like just straight city dude. And that to me is just so fascinating that now this is all the stuff that you could never get. Beer made me explore these regions I would never normally go to. And I love seeing that you can get the same quality stuff in these these areas that you can in the city. So I'd love to just hear what you guys think is happening out there as far as like why this growth is happening and this change of, of maybe like, I don't know if it's demographics or it's just mentality or what's going on. I think a couple yeah. things. I think that uh, the way that people are cons- like, I'll, I'll, there's still the generation that exists that would have grown up and their beer options would have been some variation of a light lager, right? What's your, what's your beer? It's, it's, it's a light lager. It's a lager, you know, maybe you're adventurous and it's an Alexander Keats, which is labeled as IPA. <laughs> right. So they're like, and I think that generation is sort of going and, I think I think in the world of craft beer, like I feel like people generally consume, like they drink craft beer not to overconsume but to enjoy. Mm. So I think that's leading the market where people are now drinking what they want to drink as opposed to drinking what is going to be alcohol that's going to get them drunk. Um, so I think I think that's a part of it. Uh, I don't know, Ryan, do you have thoughts on this? Yeah. Yes. You want to hear, you want to hear them? Oh, okay. Oh, I'd love to hear them. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, 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 I don't. I don't. I was just curious. Yeah. <laughs> like if they existed. If, if, I, if I could go, go ahead and continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it is like the rise of remote work and the rise of corporations that are like allowing people to work from wherever they were. Like I have a buddy that's a professional. Like he's like like a low uh, intermediate to like just becoming a senior. Like I'm what 35. So he's right around the same age um, and he's crushing it at work. But he lives in Kingston. He's not in Toronto. He's not downtown going to the financial district every day. He's just crushing work from Kingston right. and com- competing on this like giant corporation that works all the way across Canada. Hmm. And I think more of that's happening. Um, I also think there's a growth of people's appreciations for, I think it's largely an idea of the countryside, like want to be close to nature, 
like the love for like terroir. So like the Prince Edward County thing is growing because the terroir yep. there is Big fantastic. Ordovician carbonates and yeah, like beautiful grapes that grow there, especially like Chardonnay. Um, yeah, so I think that whole like getting closer to nature and getting further away from the grind is is a big driver for it. Interesting. And like Kingston, yeah. we're we're a city still, but like we're we're a decent sized city, but we're like never more than twenty minutes from getting out of town. You can drive north and just get out of town in twenty minutes and be at a hike if you want to go in the countryside. See, yeah. that is. I think I. Go on. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say if I could add, uh, I think one thing in in the world of beer as to what would drive um, the desire is that I've heard that. Um, saying or whatever that uh wine is made in the vineyard and beer is made in the brew house so i think now there is such uh, access to resources and quality ingredients that you don't have to be in toronto or montreal or a big city or on a farm to be making the best quality product right like hmm. you could be anywhere and still pump out very good quality product if you have the skill and the knowledge and the drive to to do it right so hmm. That's a really good point, man, that, that that's really what it is. But you know what? It's not even about the fact that you can make it there, this fire. It's the fact that people in the region want it. The fact that you yeah. guys can exist and, and not exist, just exist, but thrive in that region. And there's not just you guys, but there's a bunch of other breweries that are doing, you know, that, they're pushing the boundaries. And this seems to be, this is why I'm fascinated that, like, there's this, like, this influx of like really dope shit that people in, it's almost like you guys are so under the radar. It's disgusting. Like it actually almost angers me how much people, well, <laughs> almost because I can still get it. But otherwise you guys like the stuff that's happening out there is, is, is going to be, if, if it's almost like the city kids need to discover it enough to be able, and then they'll realize what they're missing out on. So it's like, you have this like local hidden gem for now. Not, not necessarily exactly. Obviously, people are, you know, I, I imagine you guys are shipping across Ontario and stuff. We're not. We're, that's no, so not the yet. local hidden gem is hopefully what we're perceived as because we okay, are terrible so. at, like, distribution outward. And, like, we're basically keeping up with the sales in Kingston. And mm -hmm. now as winter comes, every brewery slows down. So that's when we put more thought into distribution elsewhere. But we don't want uh, to grow too fast and, like, we don't want to – like getting the LCBO with the wrong beer. Um, we want like people to perceive us how we want to be perceived, right? Like we don't, like yep. we love our light lager, but honestly, I don't want our light lager to be the first beer you drank from us, which is why you guys don't have light lagers on your tables right now. Because yeah, like, I want well, to do the beer not, what we can yeah. do. Yeah, uh, so you guys thought this that, you know, So when, when we go into the LCBO, which is an inevitable step, it won't be our light lager because that doesn't represent our brand, I'm going to say, right? Because, like, when I think of breweries that I haven't been to, I just sort of associate that brewery with the beer that I know, right? They're, they're a can, the, the beer. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, if you just saw a Ring light lager and you live, you know, seven hours away from the brewery, then you're not going to know that we're doing a lot of this cool and interesting stuff. Mm. That's a really great. I was actually going to ask you that earlier. Is that the one that you would put into the LCBO? But I think that is a fantastic point. It might be a high seller, but it might not be the one. Maybe you could lead if you are. If you are, are you trying to go LCBO route at some point? So we're we're uh, 
like we've had a weird roller coaster ride. Like we, you know, we opened January, 2020. And then within two months we were closed down for a pandemic. And then, um, and then our summers are nuts. Like the, both this summer and last summer, uh, you'd walk into our walk-in cooler and there were times when we were dangerously close to having zero <laughs> kegs in there. And it's like, okay, we, we were getting it. kegs from other breweries to like fill out. Like we ran out of ITAs. So asked stone city for some kegs and yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I'm going to say, and then, so last November around this time, we were finally in a position where we're like, okay, we, things are slowing down a bit. Let's uh, start pursuing active sales and then another lockdown. So that kind of mm-hmm. stopped that in its place. And then, so now we're, we've just uh, transitioned one of our employees into a sales role. So, um, and we, you know, we're this, the summer craziness is over. So we're in a position that now we are starting to think about these long-term things and actively pursuing avenues that weren't really available to us just based on like, I don't know how much beer we could pump out mm. at the time. So um, okay. we're, yeah, take, taking those steps now. Okay. I love that. Nice. I mean, look, it's not a, I've seen, seeing more and more breweries that never did it like Bellwoods and stuff. And now they're just slamming shit in the LCBO before they just never would do it. So I imagine that you know the pandemic has definitely put that into perspective that there is definitely some value, but mostly with discovery, I would imagine, because the whole point is to either get them coming into the brewery, because that's really where you make most of the margin, but also the experience of like everything Nate was describing with the colorful murals and the just the vibe in there. Hey Doug. And the um love a pup. Bring the pup up. Well, everyone loves puppies. Koopa, come here. Um Let's say good day. Let's say good day. What I'm saying is not anywhere near as important as this dog. Hey, oh, yeah. oh she's a fifty oh, pound dog. Hey, bud. Oh, that's a cute dog. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Is it uh, boy okay. girl? <laughs> boy is a newfie. Oh wow, what a gorgeous dog. What, what's the uh, breed? He's a Newfoundlander. Oh, Newfoundland. I never heard of that. A Newfoundlander, like uh, just that's what it's called. Yep. Yeah, they're the dog that wears the barrel around his neck. Oh, those are those are uh, Saint Bernard. Okay. They're they're bred for water rescue, so in theory, this breed could be trained to like jump out of helicopters or off of boats to save people. To help people. Right. But I, I imagine I imagine Cooper would just help them to drown quicker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a gorgeous dog. What a cutie, man! Mm. Fuck, dogs are the best. Um, what are we talking about? Uh, oh, yeah. So <laughs> one other question on that, because obviously the LCBO sales leading to, to, to other opportunities, obviously this brand awareness. But one thing I always want to ask you guys, and I imagine there's a pretty solid reason for it, but you've, you've, when I had the cool, 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 it was in the can. Everything else I had was in bottles, including the, the New England IPAs. I had a West Coast IPA that was fantastic from you guys um, that Nick told me about as well. Um, What's the what was the thinking around the decision to make to to start with these kind of six fifty mil um, bottles primarily? This is what I've seen from you guys for the most part, aside from obviously the pop top we had earlier. Um, yeah, where, where did that come from as far as the the packaging? Um, I think I think a bunch of things. I think that uh, just cost at the, at the upfront would be one for sure. Like it's just cheaper for us to buy a bottling machine, especially when we're starting up and spending lots and lots of money on other things. There's only so much money to go around. Um, but uh, also we just kind of like this format. Like I really like a bomber to 
split with somebody. Like for me, anyways, it's sort of just the right amount um, where I can have it and drink it. I'll pour a glass and have a little bit more, or it's perfect for sharing. Like so, I think especially at the beginning, like we really want to be a place to go and converse and have a beer with a friend, and this is ideal for that because you can share it two ways, and both of you are getting a reasonable amount of beer um, together. Um, yep. Also, it, it's sort of like we, we were very much so inspired by that West Coast-style um, brewery, and this is still commonplace in the West Coast. Like A lot of places are doing bottles. We see. I, I know that there's the transition into cans, especially in Ontario, just because the LCB sort of dictates that cans are all, and we need mm. tall boys. Um, yep. But um, I'm going to say just out of both necessity and preference that's sort of what led the initial drive to do bottles i don't know if ryan a large part of it yeah a large part of it is i think cans are great believe me i love cans like i get the appeal and i know that it's growing more and more people look people's preferences are growing in that direction whether that's like largely led by the lcbo or people's preferences like yeah I, i think adam's probably right like we're we're going the route that is led by the lcbo but what's nice about these bottles is that they're a little unwieldy. Like, you're not going to crack this and drink right out of the bottle. Most people don't. I have friends that do, and I still yell at them. But, like, <laughs> this, is, this is a big beer to be hauling around and drinking out of. Well, what, what I want people to do is pour it into a glass. And so yeah. if you have a massive bottle, uh, you're much more likely to pour it into a glass and then see the beer that you're about to taste, smell the beer you're about to taste. Uh, and so that was, that's, that's kind of, it's old school point. thinking. Yeah, it's old school thinking. Like that's the way, like that's why like people put foil on the top of their bottles or they used to. That's why like wax dipping was a big thing for a lot of companies because they wanted people to pour it into a glass. Um, mm. But that I, style is of that. that's a that, That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a yeah, like like that that is a thing that like I mean unless um like I mean like unless you're a college kid if you've got a bottle of this size you're like you're going to be like you're going to be pouring it into a glass you're absolutely right or a red cup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or, or, or a red solo cup. <laughs> yeah, but we're we're not blind. We see it. We we uh have like plans to bring in more cans. Uh, we would. We actually. You've since you had some of our cool, cool, cool and cans. You've seen the first part of that initiative. We actually had some setbacks with our canning company that I will not get into. But we're readjusting, and we'll next year we're coming. We'll we'll start coming out with more cans again, kind of strategically. Which ones? Um, probably something that we'll submit to the LCBO. But that means like when you submit a beer to the LCBO, it's like four like six to nine months in the future. So we'll submit it like yeah. this winter and maybe process. it'll be out next fall mm-hmm. or something like that. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Go so, um, is it shout time? Let's do yeah. It. Yeah. I'm down. I'm ready. Uh, Nate, you want to grab it first this time? You let me go. Yeah I'll, do. yeah, I'll do that. You're a gentleman. So another interesting, uh, choice as well. This one is a nice, I believe, uh, 5.5% oatmeal stout. Is that right? Not oatmeal, just um, straight up. It's a, it's a coffee milk stout. So it's a milk stout, lactose in it. Yeah. Hey, team lactose all day. Okay. Um, is this a regular, what's the deal with this particular one? Is this something that you guys do? Is it year round? 
It's not year round. It's um, it's rotating. But this yeah. is the third time we've brought it back. It's it's one of our most requested beers. Okay. So it it just does it have so it has actual coffee and um, lactose. It has a shit yeah, ton of coffee. I would say there's probably, there's probably like a one-to-one ratio of caffeine uh, in this beer as there would be in a cup of coffee. So if you're sensitive to caffeine, then good luck sleeping tonight. Oh, I'm good, bro. Let's fucking get lit. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> what uh, what are the beans that you use, speaking? Because we were talking about coffee before. What beans are you using? So we've changed it up a, a few different times. So this is this is the first time we've gone with hail coffee. They're out of oh, Toronto. Oh, I love hail. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. If you're a coffee yeah. guy, yeah, you must go hail. Just off yeah, um, so Dundas. No, DuPont. Yeah. Yeah, I think they have a, they have a few like co- cafes now. Oh, I they do? Like okay. They're, they're growing. Yeah, they, they're a beloved coffee roastery in Toronto. Great choice. I love it. I'm yeah. going to grab mine. Keep keep talking about it whilst I fetch uh, my one. Yeah. So, yeah, this beer in general is something we we opened with uh so we we started with a local coffee yeah local coffee roaster in kingston um and we used them a couple times and they were good um and so we we basically cold brew the coffee into the beer and so we, we make the stout so there's lactose in it so it's a little bit has a little bit of creaminess a subtle subtle sweetness to it from the lactose milk sugar. Um, and then we finish it by cold brewing just freshly ground coffee beans into the fermenter right before we transfer it to the bright tank. So it's basically like 24 to 48 hours sitting on coffee uh, just to pull out the those flavors without much of the astringency bitterness in beans. And um, yep. yeah. And so we decided to go with Hale this time because they're a fantastic company. Uh, they do direct trade, I think it's called. So they, they actually go to wherever they're getting coffee from and create the relationships themselves. And, right. uh, and so they know it's not like nobody's being taken advantage of. Um, and so these ones, I believe, are Honduran beans, um, organic Honduran beans. And so they have, they have quite a few different options. So we'll, we'll probably use them Ooh. again and use a different coffee strain. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. These ones are fantastic. Uh, it's basically like drinking. Yeah, awesome. I, I, yeah. I love I love I love this beer. This so if we've done sixty different beers, this one is top five for me. Top five. Like, I'm not a I'm not a big black coffee guy, uh, just because I find it's too a little too bitter, a little too harsh, maybe sometimes too acidic. But this one, I think, with a little bit of lactose, sort of balancing it out, and yep. uh, it's got like a nice creaminess, and like th- this one, I think, is a good demonstration of a lot of our beers in general. Where if we call it a coffee beer or something like that, it's it, we're not, you know, that that's exactly what it is. There's no mystery you, as soon as you smell this thing that there's a bunch of coffee in it. Oh yeah, like uh, if, you, if you see it, see a beer on the shelf and it's called a blueberry this or a whatever that, and you can't even detect that flavor, I'm going to say that will not happen at Daft. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. No, I, I, I appreciate that. I, like, if, it, if you're going to be, like, if you're going to be putting out a coffee stout, I want it, like, I want it to smell like coffee. I want it to taste like coffee. Like, particularly for, uh, like, for, for coffee geeks, like, uh, like C and I are, like, 
right like and and i mean it, like really for like, like for anyone who's a coffee nerd and i mean it, it's a like i mean coffee's a whole culture in uh, like in canada that like you know if you pick up a coffee beer, you're doing so deliberately. So yeah. you're looking for like you're looking for that aroma and you're looking for that taste. So that's a, that, like that, that's a good thing to have there. And the aroma on this is just intoxicating. It's like like, like, like you were saying the. Like the coffee comes off like like so 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 nice, and even just on the aroma, like you can tell that there's a creaminess to it. Like it's not um, like you say you've got the coffee without the astringent uh, uh, the, the like aspect to it, and it's not coming off too vegetal or anything like that. It's um, like it, it is enticing. I haven't even taken a sip yet. So I had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, that is gorgeous. This label is so fire too, with the purple. Yeah, the and yeah. the hail logo. We love the hail logo on there. It's yeah, sweet. hail looks dope. Yeah, Nate, you nailed that there. This is like, and the best part about this is five point five percent. I would argue, to I would typically have beers like I mean I know Adam you're saying it's like kind of one to one, but like, um, you know you'd be drinking nine ten percent beers that would have this much coffee in it, and. Look, I'm not, I'm not soft. I'm here for it. Let's fucking go. But this is this is great because I want that. <laughs> I think it's so dope to have that. Fl- oh, Nate, be just changing his battery. Um, yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah, you're good. The um, the, the the coffee. Oh my god! And you said it was a single origin Honduran beans, as I say in here, which is which is crazy. A little touch of lactose yeah. to give it that uh, milk start in there. Um, wow, man, love that. This is just like yeah. this is intense in the best. Yeah, I was hoping way. not to make it a big heavy stout um i don't yeah. i didn't want it to be nine percent because i wanted it to be approachable i want like and it, it's not like super heavy it's, it's it's got a lighter body to it but the and not I'd say medium medium body-ish and it's but the lactose really bring that creaminess i feel like is essential yes. like to have that it, it pulls it more into being like uh i i try to think of it as like a um mocha something like that like a, it has like a little yes. of the creaminess of a mocha like a little of the chocolatiness from that roasted grain and then yeah. a ton of the coffee dude yeah coffee. what's yeah, the all about that uh, if i miss it what's the coffee is for closes about that's also it, that's uh yeah it's maybe glenn one of our glenn oldest Post. references glenn gary glenn ross it's um, Alec Baldwin's first here. movie that, like, or like the one that struck made him famous. It's like a, it's a, a scene with yeah. a bunch of sales guys, and he's basically just yelling at them, and he like, because they all suck or whatever, they're not making their sales they need to, and Alec Baldwin's just screaming at them to do better, and says they can't have coffee until they close some sales. It's good. It's a good yeah, scene. So if you there's a QR code on our bottle. If you scan that, it'll take you to a. A video link that inspired the name of the beer. So that's, that's yeah, on so all of beer, our models. Oh, yeah, that's the clever. reference. I love that. Just yeah, so right now. Pretty, pretty much all of our beers are inspired by some sort of pop culture reference or something. I just love that. We're all uh, m- movie geeks. Oh, that's sick. It even just like goes to the website and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so, smart. Yeah, that's awesome man see honestly yeah. bro like shit like this this is what I'm talking about this is attention to detail this is like true branding I'm, this gets me 
I love this. This is fantastic. And the West is awesome. It helps to have a tech guy on staff. I love this, man. So then do you guys, um, it sounds like so everything we've had tonight, I know this is, uh, would you say what we've had tonight is a relatively accurate reflection of kind of the eclecticness of what Daft does as a brewery? I think it's it's showing you the it's it's leaning towards our unique side. Like uh, we we also have like we don't have any IPAs here, and we we're really debating whether we should send you an IPA. But I assume you guys drink a ton of IPAs and probably yes. like uh, talk about a ton of IPAs. And don't get me wrong, I love IPA, but maybe your listeners don't want to hear about IPA from us. So because we have other options, so uh, we we always have IPAs. And right. we always have light beers. And so like this, this selection is kind of an idea of what the uniqueness of us, what we want to, what we want that aspect of us to show. Hmm. Yeah. Like there's yeah, a and, couple of uh, No, go ahead, Adam. Oh yeah. I was just gonna say like, um, like I think when Rad and I were choosing, we we're probably staring at, you know, 10 different beers that we could have sent to you guys to try and, I think, like, like in what Reiner's talking about, there's aspects of a lot of breweries make a very good light lager or a very good IPA. So we can also send you a very good light lager or I think a very good IPA. Um, so we try to find things that would be like unique to us, right? So mm-hmm. sort of get a, a sense as to like, what we're trying to accomplish. So I'm going to say that we make a light lager because we like to drink it and to sort of fill that necessary gap. Um, but we do those things so that we can do these things, I would say. Yeah. I like that. That's a great explanation. And funnily enough, yep. when my friend visited, sorry, Nate. No, that's okay. Although I said to him, when he was like, yo, I'm going to daft. I'm like, oh man, can you, uh, can you get me some stuff? And he's like, yeah, cool. What do you need? And I just went to the website and I was like, all right, give me the West coast. There was two hazy IPAs and the pills, and I think is what I got. That's what I went for because I didn't know that, like when Ryan you were saying before about you guys being a sour bro, I didn't know that. I just I didn't know what you guys were about. So I was like, okay, well, I like all of these sort of styles. Let's try and let's see what's going on. Nate had already told me the West Coast was fire. I'm always interested in Christmas boys, um, and I was impressed with with those. But then. When you guys sent these ones, Nate and I were like, this is interesting. This is not what I expected at all. And I think that was, now you've explained that, Adam, the way you guys approached it, I think that was like super dope. Like it's a cool way to showcase the brand that like, you know, not everyone would send a half cider, half beer, uh, a a carrot and spruce tip and ginger beer and then an insane low ABV coffee stout. Like that's a very unique combination of, brew, of beers to, to, to showcase a brewery. And I think that speaks to who you guys are and who the brand is, I guess, right? Like it feels like it's very in line with everything else that you guys are doing, which is dope. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I, I think that was, I think it was a good choice. It like, it, it showed, uh, like it was evidently a very deliberate choice as you, like, as you guys described, um, you know, it, it showcases kind of, your your more creative side and like and exactly like you said um you know like like we drink like we drink plenty of IPAs and plenty of lagers like when we shoot these and what I like and what I was thinking of is um when I came by your guys place uh, back in uh, back in mid September 
Um, you, you know, I had a really, really nice West Coast IPA on the, uh, like on the patio there. It was fucking dope. Um, uh, like really, really good. I was really impressed with it. Um, and uh, like, and I and I grabbed some bottles to take home of the more mm-hmm. uh, like of the more uh, like of the more quirky stu- uh, like stuff as well. So you know, got like got to have a bit of a, like a bit of a taste of both. And um, it, it's convenient that the stuff that uh, uh, that C's friend there got him was uh, like was kind of along along that line as well. The, the like the more along the more traditional side but uh like and and now we're kind of showcasing the, the, the like the quirky stuff that is mm. really in line with your guys whole ethos so it's 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 pretty cool <laughs> yeah yeah thanks we love what we're doing like it's i'm i'm just so like i'd say shocked a little bit at the reception i really thought that we were going to start out like being insistent we're not going to have flagships and then like we're going to very quickly be forced into having flagships but i've just been every even still i'm surprised when people come in and the their first question is what's new what do you have yeah. that's new do you guys think that's it's a, interesting so, because i yeah. think that if you guys had come on the scene three years earlier you probably would have you you probably would have been more tied to leaning in that direction i think uh the, like coming into the scene when you did i think allows you uh, like allows you a bit more of that flexibility it's funny how timing can play that kind of role in uh, like in kind of directing like which direction you take yeah, yeah. i think you're right well, it's, it's i think uh so before we opened like I, you know, just consumed myself and everything beer related. And one of them, I think, I think it was called Microbrewer, but there was a podcast I listened to, and a consistent trend that I gathered was that there was lots of breweries that sort of wanted to do what we're doing, but then you just, I, I could see how they would go into that with that desire, and just because of like logistics or um, the, some of the challenges that we've had faced from doing what we're doing, how it would be tempting to immediately stop doing it, right? Like we've. You know, so just this coffee beer, right? When we did it the first time, especially when we first opened, I don't know how many times we would have people come back being like, oh, I was here and I had a coffee beer. And we'd have to be like, oh, well, sorry that that thing that you love that you came back for, we don't have, but here's what we're doing, right? So I think we've yeah. been open long enough now that people sort of get it. Yeah, and you gotta educate, are, are educate your customer. Yeah. Mm. Have, yeah. Are there any, because I feel like there's like, there's always two sides to the uh, not repeating beers thing. So, you know, if you're not repeating it, the, the beauty of it is you get to all, oh, you know, you satisfy those customers. You go, what's new? What's going on? The, the tip, like sometimes it's the ticker culture from untapped, which can have a negative connotation. Personally, I, I hear about it a lot. I, I, I love untapped because it just lets me can, you know, uh, keep track of what I'm drinking. Um, but then the the, the the downside of that would be that you're probably not repeating recipes enough that you maybe nail them as far as, you know, making sure they're perfect. On the flip side, if you're doing the same beers over and over, it's kind of boring for you because it becomes like a factory job or something. It's maybe boring for the um, consumer because they want to see something different. But the upside is that you've really like nailed down those recipes. So I guess have you guys – you've probably obviously leaned towards the, the – the, uh, the one-time thing, but you've also then, I guess, like how did you choose the beers that you would do over multiple times 
Um, and then sort of like, obviously you'd be drilling down those recipes and dialing them in a little bit more. So they're kind of like exactly where you want them to be. Like, how do you make that decision then being that you've chosen that like one off route? Yeah, it's a good question and good comments. Like, uh, you're absolutely right. Like there are some breweries that just want to make the perfect Pilsner, right? And so like they start out like, so fine balance is a great example of this. I know the brewer Eric pretty well. Um, and he, he wants to do exactly that. He wants to perfect recipes and like, it's great. He, he's honing in each time I have his beer, they're better and better and better. And like, not to say they were bad to start with, they're really good. And so like he's getting, he's fine tuning to the point, especially on the system. Cause you brew in a new system, you have to tweak things every time. And so it's, it's an interesting point. Uh, with us making new beers all the time, there's, there's aspects that like, so we make a lot of sour beers. So like the fine tuning does still happen. And so it's like we, we change aspects of it. And so you kind of learn how to create a better beer as you go. So our sour beers have gotten better. Um, and our same thing with our IPAs, they've gotten better. Um, and it's because what we're changing are aspects that we can control, like the hops and IPAs. So like, uh, like our malt bill will like fluctuate a bit, um, but how we treat it in like on the system, like in the mash, like mash temperatures and and boil timing, like things like that are pretty consistent. That that's the stuff that we have fine tuned a bit. So there is still an aspect of the fine tuning, but then yeah, you're you're right on like the carrot beer. Like I'm I'm not fine tuning <laughs> that beer. <laughs> <laughs> So like, I don't know, like sometimes you just got to have a one-off beer that's just like a shot in the dark and, mm. and some, we've had misses, like we've had some beers uh, that have just been like fine, maybe not even fine. Like, and like they, like some people like them and sometimes a lot of people there, hate them. There's, and that's, there's, that's all, totally there's been one weird, one beer, Ryan, that we've put out that I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't, uh. I, I was not selling it when I was talking to people. Which which, which one was the peach pepper uh, wheat? Yeah, that one was a that was a miss. I think peach pepper wheat. Yeah, peach pepper wheat. It was like a little. The residual <clears throat> sugar was a little too high. Like there was like peach puree and like hot peppers. So like we put like uh, these like spicy peppers in the boil, and so it was a little much like too much sweetness and like. The balance wasn't there. We missed the balance, you know, and that's gotcha. where fine tuning would help. Uh, but it's not worth it with that beer. Like we're just not going back to it again. Right. But we've done right. other beers with like so, peppers. So like you learn how to use ingredients more and more. So it's like you are mm. learning as you go. So like we do a lot that's of different point. pepper beers. Like we have like a, a sour series that's uh, like our umami series, we call it, where we tie in. Like a, a depth, a, like depth of character, right? Like depth of flavor, like which is this umami yep. into into sour beers, and they're not they're not savory beers. They're like fruity and delicious, but they also just have this like complexity that you can't quite understand why. Yeah, well, and so yeah, go ahead. So I was gonna say, there's uh, there's a couple things where uh, I think there's give and take in either direction, right? Like it could be you could find positive or negative. So one aspect. Like imagine if let's say that we opened ten years ago and we came out with a uh, uh, East Coast style IPA, and we just that was that was it. We had it dialed down. And that was our recipe. I think that we would be limiting ourselves just because like there's always new and better 
hops or varieties or just just ingredients and knowledge are ch is changing so that like now an IPA that you could get would be better than an IPA that you could have gotten 15 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago. So I think doing yep. what we're doing allows us to stay on top of the what is the best available to us at the time. Mm -hmm. And we're not almost like pigeonholing us ourselves into um, something that is lesser than. Hmm. But I, by the same time, I, you know, I could see it both ways. Where if you, you know, spend years and years and years dialing down a perfect recipe, then it's just going to continue to be awesome. So I think we just sort of went with one, one way. Yeah, so yeah, and, and like further to that point, I think fine tuning can come in different forms, right? Like even if you're mm. not making the same beer, uh, uh, like kind of month after month sort of thing. Like, like you mentioned that peach pepper wheat. If like if there's a lesson that you took away from that, that you're applying to, like that you're applying to different recipes. That's mm. like like that's still a different kind of fine tuning. Even that honestly yeah. is the best point out of all of this. I didn't intend for that, but that is amazing. That, because I almost feel like there's like two schools of thought. And look, if I if I was to start a brewery, I would do it your way. I would be making different shit all the time, because that's what I want to drink. And then I love the idea. I love this concept that you can take the learnings. Like if you're making all these different hazy IPAs, the first hazy IPA, you'd be like, oh, that didn't work so well. But what if we change this? You do it the next one. And, ah, that's the one. And so even though they're all different beers, technically, you the learning from four brews ago applies still so really you're kind of doing the same thing just in a different way which is yeah that shouldn't be under undervalued though like that should not be discounted as a as a a, a, a fine tuning because really it is it's just a different type of fine tuning yeah and then so another thing that we do like is we have some series of beers that mm -hmm. um even though they're not flagships of mainstays we might brew them again so like there are some recipes that we've done multiple times that just get better and better as we go, even so, though they're not always available. But there's like so even that the never nude that we were talking about, like we've had a never nude almost all like basically available on tap always, unless we have a gap since we've opened. But there's aspects of that that change. So the fruit that's in it changes constantly. So yeah. as we're doing it, even though the fruit changes, I'm gonna say Ryan, like from never nude edition one to the last edition, it's gotten just better and better because you're learning how to ferment it, control it, brew it, just everything. Mm. And yeah, uh, see, like the cool, the cool, cool, cool you had that would have been one of four different cool, cool, cools that we've had. So okay. I'm gonna say outside of tweaking the whatever, I don't even know if you've tweaked that recipe at all, Ryan. But we'll play yeah. with the elements of it. So like that's a dry hop Bilsner. So each time we've done it, it's been with a different dry hop. So that like I don't know okay. which if I don't know if you'd remember which one you had. Uh, was it Belma? Does that sound familiar? No, no. Um, I I think we did a, well, I'm gonna check my own. I know, that, I, I know that earlier in the year, I think this was back in the spring when you guys did a mobile drop. I, I, I like I had the Nelson Sylvan version. Oh, mm. I, Bob Rouge. Bob Rouge. Oh right. yeah, Bob Rouge. Oh, Bob Rouge. Okay. Honestly, this shit was killer. Um, and I had I I didn't it didn't not it didn't taste to me like oh they just threw shit at the wall and did a pilsner. I was like oh these guys do pilsners. Like that's how I felt about it. You know what I'm saying? Like not, nothing I had yeah. from you guys felt like you were just, that was your first attempt and you were just like trying to do some crazy shit. You know what I'm saying? Like I really, it, it, everything tastes pretty, pretty well. I mean, obviously it was only, it was only like September as well. So about the same time, Nate went. 
So like, yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely dialed in. Um, so that's, that's fascinating. That's really interesting to me. The other thing I want yeah. to mention before I forgot, the only thing I would have liked to see from this, and I know it's probably difficult on a bottle, was date codes because I got my friend to get the haze and the West Coast, but I didn't know when it was bottled. And I feel like that is a, I imagine that's something that you guys are, it's probably not as simple on a bottling machine or something like that. It's so. not, you have to do it all by hand. Um, oh and so like if we were, <laughs> if we were to have bottles in the LCBO, then we would have to do it. And so okay. like it's, it's on, it's on the list of things. That's, it's a good point. Yeah. For, especially for IPAs yep. where it matters. That was your only thing. J- just yeah. for reference, so, it's, more, it's not like anything was bad or anything. It was more like everything was actually really solid. Hence, wanted to speak to you guys even more after trying it. But it was more just like, oh, I'd like to know because in my head, if I'm like, oh, this is four weeks old or this is two weeks old, there's an a- approach to the beer where you kind of have a vague idea of how it's supposed to taste. After yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I, I'm so happy you talked about this on your podcast because, man, what I've realized is the general everyday customers need to learn more and more how to treat an IPA. Like always keep it refrigerated and like yep. timing is everything for, Buy it for and me. Drink it. You don't, you don't store that. Yeah. And IPA yeah. is like when we brew it, it's like on day one, it's delicious. Um, and there's only improvement for the first week. So uh, for me, an IPA a week after it's out of the tank in the bottle or a keg or whatever is Money's prime on. time. That's Gage. exactly the time you want to drink it. That's and then know. after a week uh, of being packaged is a slow decline. And after, if it's in the fridge, so if it's in the fridge, you got a bit more time. So like four, five, maybe even six months. If you keep it nice and cold, never treat it bad, but that's pushing it. Like three months, really? three months is that's ideal. A lot. I thought you were going to say weeks. We'd say four, five, six, and then you say weeks. Yeah, weeks are <laughs> ideal. But like I've had IPAs, like if you keep it in your fridge, if you handle it right, like three it months can, is like, I, I think, okay. Um, but like if it's what, been kept refrigerated the whole time from start to finish. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And we never, like, we always store ours cold, like never on the shelf. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even, like, even if it, even if it's spent like, a week or two sit, like sitting out of the fridge before like before you like before you've gotten it in there that like that'll be an exponential drop off at that point yeah yeah chemical you know reactions like, yeah. increase and actually, significantly at higher temperatures that, that's a great point and being that you're a scientist right i got a question for you so i we've got this series that we do on our youtube channel um it doesn't really have a name basically i have a bookshelf just to my left here and I've done it three times. I've put a beer on the shelf for a week and then the exact same beer in a fridge for the exact same time, put the, uh, the, the beer that was on the shelf in the fridge for 24 hours and I would drink them both side by side and try and guess which one was, um, uh, was sitting in the, in the warmth or in the fridge. I did it with a New England IPA, a West Coast IPA, and a Czech Pills and all of them fresh. New England IPA, the fridge was phenomenally better. The other two... Let, leaving them out was leagues better than putting them in the fridge. I could not believe my eyes. The Pilsner, I was like, okay, could have gone either way. But the West Coast, it was like, I, to be honest, I drained the can that was left uh, in the fridge and just drank the one that was, was out. You that's, know what's that's funny? Really? I yeah. think I, I totally, I could see why. Because what Please I tell me. When, <laughs> when the hops are decaying, so like we pay a 
shit ton of money for high end hops. Like it's one of our big, biggest expenses when we're doing yeah, it would be. IPAs. It would Just be. a ton of like Citra, <clears throat> Mosaic, Sabra, whatever. All these like high end, very, very expensive hops. Uh, we pay a lot of money to get them in the beer. Um, and West Coast IPAs aren't like traditionally, you don't use those. You use like Simcoe and Cascades and Tenniel. Like these are like hops. Like you could, I know there are like exceptions to that nowadays, but like that's what traditionally it was in a West Coast IPA. Mm-hmm. And like these, like these things that have more herbal notes and citrus, like citrus and herbal. And what I get when like these high end, like super juicy, like hops, like citra break down, they're, they're releasing more like for me spicier flavors so like it's when they break down they're producing more of the flavor of a west coast hop so i could see why like aging a west coast ipa out of the fridge wouldn't change it significantly or or maybe even enhance it in that direction like resinous dank style because those resinous dank flavors or what like a lot of these high-end the the new england style hops are breaking down into for me that's, yeah. that's my perception, and like this, there's no fact based no, behind no. that. It's how I perceive it. I haven't actually asked anybody yet, and I was just because we were talking about it. I'm like, I'm, I, I want to run that by you, but that makes complete sense. It was like the the one that was in the fridge was had less head retention, less flavor. It was more dull, more dull in the nose. Like every element of that beer was yeah. less than than the one that was left out, and I'm pretty. Uh, paranoid, I guess is the word. Like, obviously, any all the beers I got from you, my friend dropped them off, put them bad boys straight in the fridge. Did not. I don't know if he kept them in the fridge. I can't remember. Maybe there was a gap there, but I didn't notice anything with yours. It was just because I did a specific test. I happened to get doubles of a few beers, and I bought some as well to to make sure you know to really do the the, the, the experiment properly. And it was just uh, an interesting one. But I think that that is a pretty solid answer. Um, for for West Coast at least anyway it was just like an, an interesting thing because like like you guys said like you know there's just an education uh, component for consumers particularly maybe and tell me if I'm wrong maybe the newer folks because I feel like because you guys are so cool because you're in like in Kingston area and maybe there's a bunch of people like I find that the, the what I've learned the town people who are in town as opposed to cities are like super proud this is my this is my local brewery yeah daft is three minutes around the corner i go there all the time i go there every friday and i pick up six of this and six of this, this is my joint so like they might not be craft beer drinking but they're just proud that you're this dope local brewery that maybe all the cool kids from toronto are coming to check out and um i guess and what comes along with that is those conversations are in the brewery. They're like, oh, what is that you know they're learning along the way so you guys are really performing a service to craft beer i imagine being it, it, like what what would be your um demo like what's the the diff what, what's the the percentage maybe of like noobs to nerds in the in, in the establishment you come through yeah good question i think we have a big mix i think um I think you're right that there are a, a good chunk of people that love us because we're in the neighborhood and we're their bar, we're their like spot, and we're doing something unique in Kingston that probably is just like extra icing on the cake for them. Totally. Um, we've we've got like that. Uh, I'll, I'll interrupt you, Ryan, to say that we've got three people so far. The count of that three that have our Flamingo logo tattooed onto their body forever. That's amazing. So got, yeah, so we've got a couple, couple loyal followers. Like, 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 you mean literally, like they, like they have, like they have the tattoo. 
I saw that before. That's next level. <laughs> so I was, uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen it before and I just, uh, I, like before we opened, I was like, okay, that's, that's when we've made it. So that, that's Bruce, which I, I love that yep. iteration of our tattoo. That's beautiful. Yep. Wow. Actually, is it not? And you guys have been open less than two years and you got man's tattooing your shit on there, bro. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy though. Like actually crazy. I mean, even if you yeah. just like, I don't know, talk about branding, just looking at the sort of Instagram, look how bright and colorful this is and like how much it's just, it's attractive. Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah, man. I'm just like, we're such big fans. Like Nate and I are just such huge fans of, of your brand and just what, what it looks Thanks, like. And it, yeah, it, somebody takes great photos, eh? Yeah, man, that, <laughs> that Ryan guy, whew, he is attractive. My goodness. Like, it's I just didn't like, want to be the one to say it. Facts of facts, bro. Yeah. What am I going to say? Yeah, Ryan, Ryan the way he captures it. the legs in those never nude photos, oh, man. Ooh, yeah. All those male backsides, woof. Yeah, I got an extra photo. Ryan. Ryzen is expert at photo uh, photographing nearly naked or naked. <laughs> someone's going to be the pro. No, it's just really cool, man. I just really respect what you guys have done. Um, the other thing I want to ask before I forget was Adam, you touched on before you said that a lot of breweries have said they wanted to do what you guys are doing, which is, you know, the, the styles that you, you know, you're not just leaning into the haze because haze is selling or like whatever it might be, smoothie sours or crispies or whatever. You guys are really traveling your own sort of path here what allowed and you said a lot of them said they couldn't do it so what what made daft be able to do what you guys do and successfully that maybe other breweries have not been able to is it just having the the, the guts to do it in the first place and convince uh, people or what's the vibe do you think that's a that's a hard question to answer. Um, so I think I think that there's whether or not a lot of breweries would go into it with the uh, incredible plan to go without a flagship. Uh, I think that um, there's at least the romanticized idea that I want to go in and I just want to brew what I want to brew and I want to be creative and I want to do this. Um, I think what worked for us was a bunch of things like we sort of all went into this with the commitment ahead of time that this is what we wanted to do mm -hmm. and. Uh, and then Ryan, this just is aligned with his style of like, we don't have to ask Ryan to brew what he brews. He just brews what he brews because that's what he wants to brew. So I think that relationship between us sort of lines up perfectly. Um, also, there's, um, it, it is just logistically challenging to do what we do because every time we brew a new beer, we have to do a new label and coordinate the shipment of that label and get it in on time so it's more new expensive. photo shoots mm. yep. yeah like so it's just it's not just like if we were just brewing five beers over and over and over again the content we would have to create and the effort required would just be all dealt with we would just buy a hundred thousand labels so you know like it, it would just be a different story yeah. um and i don't know if a part of it also would line up with just if, if covid maybe helped us to continue to do what we do because because COVID is sort of like I'm gonna say hindered our plans um, or delayed them to do things like get permanent taps and other licensees that would demand that we have the same beer available over and over again um, so that that could factor in as well um, so it's probably like a series of different things and I think that we will uh, like eventually 
Um, we will have more than just one or two flagships. I think eventually we'll have a small handful and then we'll have like rotating one-offs and repeat things. Um, But we really wanted to figure out what we wanted to do first and also figured out what our customers wanted from us first before we just committed ourselves blindly to, okay, these are our four beers and this is what we're going with. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, so, Ryan, I, I sort of interrupted you when you were answering the other question. I can't remember what that was, what you were going on about. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's the coffee stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, this is dope. That, that, that makes a lot of sense, actually, man. That, that, yeah. All, all of those different. I mean, obviously, there's not just one factor that allows you guys to do this. But uh, it's just cool that, I, to me, I, I guess that the impressive thing to me is that it, it feels like you've taken a larger risk by doing it in a place like Kingston that is essentially a growing craft beer scene. Obviously, there's been a few OGs out there that have done it for quite some time. I remember when the Spearhead Hawaiian Payload came out. That was Beer 365 for me in that thing I was telling you about earlier. That was a yeah, big like deal. Yes, it was. It was. Yeah. I, that was uh, and that old. was long before they were in Kingston, too. <laughs> there you go. I think it was contracted. And I was like, where's the yeah. pineapple? Why doesn't it fucking taste like pineapple? And um, <laughs> you know, and and going from there, and, and there's been a, you know, obviously Stone City with you know shouts to Justin, who's now a matron. Um, you yeah. know, I used to every time when I'm driving from Montreal to Toronto, we went there every month. I would always stop off, drop off all the cans and stuff at the uh, beer store because they don't do that shit here really. And then go up to Princess Street, go to Stone City, pick up a bunch of stuff, and head on out like that was my ritual. Um, yep. And uh, you know, it was really cool to see the. The scene sort of grown. I know McKinnon Brothers are nearby, and you know you guys are fine balance and stuff. I just, and I'm sure there's a bunch of others I'm probably neglecting. It just seemed like there's a real cool scene happening out there. That that I, I, it almost feels like it's like this is a matter of time before like the wider Ontario and Canada really discovers it. And it's like, yeah, like do you guys consider yourselves maybe under the radar still, or am I sort of boosting on that? Because I just like look when I had your stuff, I was like, "Why haven't I seen this every? Why isn't everybody I know talking about this?" Um, and <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. you know, what I'm saying. I think you, I do. Yeah, I think, um, I think you're right, and I, I we're pretty self-aware. Uh, we know that we're we're like we're known in Kingston. Like everybody in Kingston knows about Daft. I, the Daft yeah, majority. of course. Yeah. And um, beyond that. Maybe the region, like the, the the surrounding areas, maybe like a third of people know about us or less. In Toronto and Ottawa and Montreal, I'd say less than probably like one percent of people know about. Us. So yeah, we're we're very much under the radar on the broad scale, and that's uh, we haven't we haven't pushed to to get there yet, and so mm-hmm. we're. Like COVID's been, I think a lot of it falls back on like what Adam was saying earlier is the timing of things. Mm-hmm. We didn't want our push elsewhere to like be forced or whatever. Like we want it to be natural. We want people to fall in love with the products and the branding. We don't want people to, we don't want to target ad people and like just plaster our faces everywhere. We want people to like as naturally as possible come across us because they interested in what we can what we're doing Hmm. um and so that natural growth is hard and we're trying we've like tried to like uh create some pathways for it and we're going to expand on that a bit more over the next year it looks like 
Um, and we know we have some limitations right now. Packaging, p- perhaps, is a big one. Um, and so, like, moving forward with things like that are going to help with distribution channels. And then beyond that, it'll it'll be, like, how are we going to strategically grow in certain markets without, like, forcing it? Gotcha. So it's, yeah. 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 I think that I we haven't ca- really done – oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, Go ahead, Adam. As I was going to say, I don't think we've really – yeah, to further Ryan's point, we haven't really done anything to help those people in other cities be aware of our existence. Like we really don't deliver any – like we're, we're pretty much right now a local brewery. I would say just by our activity and by design. So um, – you know, we will get there when people will hopefully see us because we will then have a presence in that area. But like, we, we don't really submit beers to um, like awards or whatever, just because part of that is because a lot of our beers don't really fit into style categories very nicely. So we're not going to win best stout with our coffee as for closers or, Best oh. carrot beer with a <laughs> We're gonna win best carrot beer. Come on. Yeah. Easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I feel well, that I, I can ahead. kind of speak to uh, uh to speak to what it's like um like to having an interest in your beer uh, like in your beers as a consumer from someone out of town. And I mean I'm not even that far away from you guys be uh, like only being about a two hour drive or so. Um but like, I think that like or for me, like I was immediately interested in you guys because of your like your very kind of out there vibe with your um, like with your branding, both of the brewery itself and that like you know and the interesting social media and the uh, like and you know the bright colorful beers and all that. So I was interested in that for a little while, and I was kind of like waiting for an opportunity uh, like to have a taste of it. Um, and then there was one time, I think back in the spring or maybe it was in the summer or something like that, where you did a mobile drop to Ottawa with uh, like on one of fine balances runs or something like that. And I like, and as soon as you had that, I'm okay, like, yes, this is my opportunity. I finally get to have a taste. <laughs> so I think there might be more of an interest outside, uh, like outside of town, then you might realize, like I know that mm. fine ba- like fine balance, ha- like has leveraged a lot of kind of like the mo- like the mobile drop, so like sort of thing. I like I'd be willing to bet that there are more people outside of Kingston who would be curious to try, like curious to try your stuff than you might think. Yeah, no, I believe it. We just haven't. Uh pursued those avenues yet yeah uh just from uh, like a part of it would just come to available product right so one of the reasons we weren't actively trying to sell kegs to licensees is because we'd be approaching licensees being like hey uh we exist you want to buy some beer by the way i've got nothing to sell you Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not a good pitch is it (laughs) yeah um yeah so we're we're just now uh in the process of just because I, we recognize there is that demand in partnering with a distribution company that will mm-hmm. allow us to ship province wide if you buy a full case. So that's, that's in the works now that the summer has cooled and we've got like time to focus on some of this stuff. Um, so yeah, you'll see that happening hopefully within the next month that'll be available. That's awesome. Great. Yeah. I think that'll, that'll definitely help. And I like, you know, being that like you say, just to compare like in Quebec, we don't, we still don't have that. 
So breweries here can't ship. The depeneurs, like the beer stores, oh, can wow. ship, but the breweries can't. So, like, you know, I, I'm, like, in the city here, and, you know, most of the beers, we haven't, we've had that, and you guys just got the indie beer stores over the pandemic. We've had it forever here. Yeah. So that is quite fortunate, but still there's a whole bunch of breweries that I would like to purchase from that don't distribute at all when they have to go to the brewery and cool some are in montreal but some are in quebec city and some are in fucking hellafar and mm -hmm. i don't have a whip i'm in i'm in the city i don't even have a car so i'm like you know i've got commune auto now which is dope but like it's still difficult to get that get hold of it so one thing i'm always been jealous say of nate he's always been able to access stuff whether it's from ordering online or being able to go to somewhere like the dominion city uh friends of dominion store or um uh, lupulus and things like that just to be able to access stuff from all across the province so like yeah i feel like it's just like this untapped world just waiting for you guys and once the time is right as far as production and packaging or whenever you guys feel like it's it's time it's uh i feel like you'll clean up it, it just really will and it'll it's it's almost like you got to be prepared for what could come afterwards because as people try the stuff and see it because a lot of beer you know a lot of beer success is branding and you've got that fucking down so like you know really obviously do. yeah i mean that stuff no, is already done yeah. and you know and the, the beer is like a1 as well like this is this is insane this is one of the best low ABV coffee stats i've had in quite some time like, this is phenomenal so i mean like i can only imagine that when people get to try all this stuff and then see it all and you know I, there's going to be a lot of interest. So, uh, you know, it's probably better for y'all that you guys are actually planning out the, uh, you know, the, the full steps and making sure that every, all the ducks are in a row before you go sort of full force in, into that. But it, uh, it, it feels like a very promising and exciting feature there, which is very cool. Well, thanks, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I like to think that we have yet to attempt to spread our wings fully, by, both by our own restrictions and with COVID and whatnot. So I'm, I'm curious to see as to where we'll go as a company. Yeah, man. I love it. Well, I think you, I, I think you guys are on the right path. You've got uh, like, you've got the right product and you've got like, like, and you've got a really good handle on uh, like on some good unique branding and the, the like, and, like and the way to, and the way to market that product and that branding. It's uh, it's a good thing to see. 100%. I love yeah. it. Um, I'd love to ask you guys a quick question while I've got you. It's so, uh, good. Yeah. Um, so you guys have. So we're episode number eighty-one. I see you guys have had a bunch of like themed uh, guests where you talk about a specific subject as opposed to a specific brewery. Yes. Um, so very recently, you did one about uh, breweries being canceled yes. for different things, and I, I just saw that. I haven't listened to it yet. But how, how was that episode? I'd love to just because, like, I don't know. That's something that we recognize that a brewery that's going on and like when as soon as we see something it's like oh shit so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah man so my partner tiffany and i so basically we have the we started off uh just with like a series of uninterconnect just a real quick context for you to understand why that is we did a whole bunch of just like we did up to episode 159 and the final episode was with nate and then we decided to take some time off and we wanted to change up. We were getting bored of just doing these like unconnected random interviews. So then we decided at the start of 2020, which was a great time to do anything, um, to start a new series where we would do these themed seasons based on other, other podcasts, either the way they do it. They have a season of a podcast. And we did this one called Against the Green. 
And we did a bunch of stuff in Quebec. And then we did four of the six episodes and the pandemic happened and we had to stop that. So we moved into the adjunct series. And we've done, uh, we have a non-profit to help buy POC to try and diversify the craft beer industry called LinkUp. So we did a little series on that, but the adjunct series are now the sort of one in between everything else. So my partner, Tiffany, who is our producer, like I said, her and I did the one on the cancelled breweries and it was kind of um, obviously one of the biggest cancelled breweries of all time is, is, is founders in the Grand Rapids, Michigan, who we've, we've interviewed, we've been there, we met with the owner and the head brewer and they were lovely to us, but unfortunately, they, uh, I don't know if you guys heard the story, they basically had some super, super racist shit happen. They didn't apologize. They did a settlement out of court, so they never had to take ownership for it. It was really bad, really poorly uh, handled. So we were kind of um, we were talking about those council breweries, but the specific one in particular for that episode was: Did you guys see the thing about the Mikella, um Festival mm-hmm. in Denmark? Yeah. So it was the thing that pissed us off about that was about cancel culture with breweries. Is there was say a brewery like Dominion City in Ottawa, who are some of the loveliest human beings in the industry I've ever met, who have done more for the community than any, but most breweries combined. They committed to going to the McKellar Festival last year. They didn't follow, you know, this is before the Me Too kind of, you know, the brave noise thing with uh, Brian Rat Magnet earlier this year. So they committed to it. And then I, there was a bit of a pile on, on Dominion City and Collective Arts and the two breweries from Ontario that were going to that uh, festival because they didn't pull out. And I was like, this, the, the, the episode was essentially about how ridiculous we felt it was that all of, all of Dominion City's past work was essentially cast aside. And they were, there was people that were like, oh, good, well, I'm never buying from them again. And they were the last brewery I would ever think that people would say that about. And it really pissed me off about like the woke culture or whatever your cancel culture, whatever you want to call it, that they like, what could they have done to please everybody? It almost is just getting to the point where it doesn't matter what you do. It's never enough. And particularly like if Dominion city were being, if I saw people shit on them for, for, for like community based things that I was like, okay, well it's all over. No one has a chance because they're the fucking angels and, and they get shot on for accepting a festival a year ago and they didn't really think about it because why would they think about it? So that was really what, what inspired yeah. that episode. We, we talked about that at length. So it was more yeah, just interesting because we were frustrated. They ended up not going, right? Like Dominion City ended up pulling out of that. So did Collective Arts, so did yeah. almost everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the pressure. And, and look, at whether that was right or wrong, that wasn't what we were trying to discuss. It was the fact that people weren't even listening to the nuance in the conversation. It's straight to... Fucking, they cancel, they go on. I'm like, bro, like, we can't yeah, do that. Hard. We have a small scene. Uh, like, we are entrepreneurs. We have staff. We have businesses. I, you guys are doing it at another level. We do not own a brick and water place that has this is worth seven figures type shit. You know, we don't have the stress that you guys do. So I very, very, very much respect what you guys do and what you have to deal with. And I just don't think it's fair to to treat breweries like this. Um, in any shape or form, I think there needs to be a conversation and nuance has to be brought back and that's what's been taken away from from yeah. all this type of stuff. And that's really what that episode was kind of touching. That's, okay, that's yeah. interesting. interesting. It's hard because, yeah, like you get it. Like you don't, like obviously don't want to be Sorry, associated I just, I just gotta grab people. I, I just got to grab my charger because I'm about to die. Just like, yeah, do it up, do it up. 
you obviously don't want to be associated with people that are like obviously mistreating staff and like taking advantage of people. Yeah. But then, yeah, like have some like uh, perspective. Some perspective. Yeah. Um, That's all you can ask. We have, we in Kingston, like uh, in my neighborhood, it's uh, it's kind of like a, a different, it, it's, it's been gentrified a little bit. Like I've lived here for a long, I'm, I can't afford a house in my neighborhood anymore kind of place. Like, Oh, okay. I get uh, the vibes. <laughs> like I've been here long enough where like, I've like, I, I'm not rich. I'm just old now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but there's still like these like uh, anti gentrification people that are just like, so like, I, I get the aspects of it. Like, and so some I'm pro some anti gentrification, like take care of people, all that stuff. But then there are some people that are so like violent about it. Like, uh, like there's a, a new store that popped up in our neighborhood and they're like a, like a corner store, but super high end, really interesting stuff. They bring in a lot of like unique things from Toronto and Montreal, wherever, like they bring in Montreal bagels, like all types of cool stuff that like, oh. but it's expensive. Like you pay, you pay money for it. And, um, somebody went on Reddit and like our Kingston Reddit is like the big gossip like column for our whole city. Like Kingston Reddit is if you want any news on Kingston Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, right. Oh, geez. I, I mean, Reddit can be like, it can really be that kind of space in almost like in almost yeah. any space. Like, like I, I don't even fucking look at beer Reddit. Like that's it. No. Yeah, that, that's that's a, like that's a degree that I I I can't handle that like the level of toxicity that those conversations get to. Yes, yeah, some are great and some are not. And so like this this somebody did a post in the Kingston Reddit, which everybody in Kingston reads, about this new little place and how they're all racist. And like I I've met the people multiple times. It's like this adorable like couple that own it and like just very nice, very open. Like they bring in like trans, like people to do pop-ups. They, they, they support community. Like they're, and like somebody claims to be a black person that uh, was treated like in a racist way. And like people were immediately like, well, I'm never going back there. Never, ever again. Like never supporting them again. And like, if you look at the Reddit account, they had just made it the day before, like posted this one thing, like no credibility, but like people are just jumping on the bandwagon to, burn the place down basically dude that's such a fantastically sad example of exactly what i was talking about with the dominion city thing i guess it wasn't as bad as that but they just people were just jumping on them for something they hadn't even had the discussion about it was straight like oh they're going to this thing that means they support sexual abuse that means they canceled we're done with them i'm like like it's just like yeah like the the nuance is gone and i think in craft beer we're such a small community I think if we ignore that nuance and ignore the conversation, and I'm sure there's something, they probably had some points as far as like, like you said, should they be supporting McKellar in a time when maybe McKellar weren't doing the right thing? That's a wonderful conversation that should be had. But it was like, it's just like a rush to cancel or to be like, I'm not buying from them anymore from people who have a bit of a platform in, in the scene and stuff. And, and, and that really sort of rubbed us the wrong way. And I just don't think that's healthy. We're so small, man. Like, we're like, what is it? Five percent of Canada? Like, why would we sort of, you know, what's the word? Um, not usurp. But we're like, you know, eat, cannibalize each other and really trying to push each other down. The crabs in the bucket thing. Like, it's like it shouldn't be like that. It's it's typically hasn't been like that. But it's you know, I think the interesting thing I've noticed because people like Nate and I were very fortunate. We get to talk to guys like you, 
who are putting your money, your your livelihoods on the line to create this stuff. And that's why we highly, highly respect it. And everyone we meet as far as the ownership and, and you know, the people in charge of all, all the breweries, everyone is super cool and they just have really pure intentions. But the problem is, is like within the community itself. And I think that's where most of the sort of maybe miscommunication or, you know, people misinterpret yeah. things and take it a little yeah, too Yeah, misguided far. efforts to take a stance. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they mean well, right? You got to look, it's like, you know, assume positive intent at all times, right? So we try and do that. I'm like, okay, what are they trying to get? Well, they're trying to say that these guys are, you know, associating with these brewery, they're kind of a shady, but I'm like, well, let's look at the facts here. Let's talk about it a bit more rather than go straight to the extreme conclusion. I, I, yeah, not super fond of that. So we wanted to make a bit of a provocative podcast title that we get people to pay attention while still so yeah. just, you know. <laughs> it worked. You Wish got it Adam hooked. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I just, I saw, I said, cause I, I haven't like listened to every episode you guys have done or anything, but uh, when I saw it, I was like, Ooh, this one sounds uh, <laughs> a little, little saucy. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. There's, some, there's some, there's some spice sprinkled Ooh, on top yeah, of it. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to get on with more spice. Yeah, man, bro, you know, sometimes yeah. you got to, you know, without being a dick about it, you know, we got to have these hard-hitting conversations and uh, be honest about it. And you know, But even for us, it's hard because what if we say something that people say, oh, you agree with them, you're canceled now. I'm like, you know, I'm not uh, trying to do that either. You know, we're trying to contribute positively and share the stories of, of awesome dudes like yourselves who are creating these cool companies and just doing cool shit that we respect admire and enjoy and uh i don't yeah, know i appreciate just, the the positivity is uh, huge yeah and that's yeah. i think that's like a way we need to lean into like yeah. don't i love the idea of untapped like the app untapped um mm -hmm. it's the idea is fantastic what it what it's execu executed as is like a bit like it can come off a lot it's of huge. negative with positive like yeah it's, it's used hard. so fucking terribly so uh, like so much of the time it, it it pisses me off a lot i i i know craig still loves it and i'm glad uh, like and, I, and i'm glad he still uses it and i and and not to, like and not to be divisive like like i know there i know there is value in it and there are uh, like and there are breweries who see value in it i got really pissed off with it i used to be a big untapped guy i i deleted it Two years ago, and like, and there's so much of it that pisses me off now. Um, it, like, and it's, and, and like, and, and and no offense to like, and no offense to Craig, I'm not lumping him in with this, but like, it's become like a very big like hype chaser app, yeah. and uh, like, and, and just like, re like, really, it's become like Reddit in a lot of ways. It's one of those things of like anything that's a huge haze bomb gets uh, like gets boosted like crazy, and loggers get downvoted uh, like get downvoted into the ground. Like uh, like any, like people will just one star, uh, uh, like uh, like a pilsner just because it's not hazy. It's that's a thing that happens on there all the fucking time. It's it, yeah. it's really frustrating. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's frustrating. But it, it is it is has its pros. Like to track all the beers you drink, that's huge. Like, man, did oh, I have absolutely, had this beer absolutely, and, yeah. I'm yeah, but, I'm not discounting that. Right. I'm not discounting that. No. I loved it. Like I I did love it for that as a personal tool. But as an industry tool, it's really like it's really hit and miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's it's one of those things. I found yeah, that as a my, consumer, my... it it became a bit of a chore for me just to keep track of it. Like I didn't, I didn't mind it for that reason, but like I felt like I couldn't just 
sit and have a beer i did you know when i was using it at the beginning stages it would be like okay like i gotta take a picture i've got to upload it or whatever and then i can just say where we're at now as a company is i don't even i don't even know what we score on untapped like i it's it's at fact yeah, is it i don't know zero like what's funny is they all kind of average out every single brewery unless you're like a famous name that people like automatically give you five stars for like uh everybody averages out in the high threes like 3.8 3.9 like that's like almost every single brewery the average is right there because like it's yeah. it's just funny that that's a social like thing that's happened um, yeah, it's a little but weird. yeah like i I think if for listeners, anybody interested, like what I learned a long time ago from somebody that was smarter than me and I started doing on a wine app that I really like um, is either don't score, like don't give a star or mm. uh, if, if you want to be unbiased, like feel free to. Like if you, I think especially if you feel qualified to rate something, do it. Um, but if you're unsure, just don't score and write a comment. That's what somebody like was showing me a while ago, like a couple of years ago. And it was, uh, it's such a revelation for me. And so now on my, like this wine app that I, cause I, I like to drink wine too. I'll just give everything five stars. And even if I don't really like it, I'll like write in the description, like wasn't quite for me, uh, because of this, like that's everything. Yeah. And so now it's a mess. You're one of, you're one of them, Ryan, that I'd look at this review and I'd be like, Oh, like five stars doesn't really like what the fuck. <laughs> yeah. But like, Kind of reads like, like a three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's no option for no stars on this app. I like that though. I've seen people use Untapped like that as well. Just kind of like use it as a log. Like I feel like I'm biased. I give everything at very least a four. Like I don't think I really check in. Like if you look at my little thing, like they have like a graph. It's like just nothing, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. Then all everything into like a four, four point two five, four and a half, and then sort of done. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't even know why I do it, but yes, you're right. Like the, the rating is irrelevant to me and I don't look, it's different between a consumer to then a brewery. If I was owning a brewery, I would go nuts if I was actually paying attention to what people say on tap because it's bonkers. It's like Reddit level batshit. It makes no sense. People are just saying things yep. and they don't add up just what the examples are the same, but like, it's really nice for a comparison. I used to have a, uh, a Google Doc, a Google spreadsheet that I would literally paste, copy and paste all my reviews. I'm up to this beer that I just, the last one here tonight was, I think, 6,684. Wow. So, That's crazy. last time I updated was in the 3,000. So, I'm not going to paste 3,000 more things. I was doing it manually. So, then I'd be like, well, if I had that oh, beer, yeah. <laughs> let me go and check my spreadsheet. And I go and search the <laughs> spreadsheet. But now I can just search on tap. And I just find yeah. that, and I started using untapped around the 800 beer marks. As if the first few I didn't really count, but I probably wouldn't be drinking those beers from 2011, 2012, 2013 again. Most of them probably don't exist. So yes, it's, I find it just a, like a, a recording tool. It's handy. As a, like, as a personal tool, it's lovely. It's a, yeah. the, like it, it's gorgeous for that. And uh, like, and for someone like yourself who is really like diligent and really wants to keep that log it's like it's perfect for that yeah it's just as an industry like as an industry tool it's like it's incredibly divisive and it's it's usefulness is like is really a subject of hot debate (laughs) yeah yeah i get it i get the the pros i think the worst part of untapped is uh the industry side where they offer if you if you pay them you could adjust your descriptions and like you could, you can have control of like what is 
like how your beers are posted. Not not the ratings. I don't think. I think it's just like like right now we're marked as nano. Go to the top. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we could, we could adjust things if we want, if we paid the money. Like yeah, uh, right now Link is a, a nano brewery. We're a microbrewery, but like I'm not gonna pay them money to change it. Like yeah, that, yeah. That, that that that's sketchy as fuck. Yeah, I mean, like they're monetizing it. I get. I guess it's smart to do it that way, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. you could probably also argue that it's sketchy too. I know I'm never really like mad at the hustle, but yeah. because it's become this thing, it's like when I first got into it, it wasn't a thing. It was just a way to document. My mate tried to get me on another app called Brewski. When I worked, when I first started this, he, I worked at the Apple store in Toronto at the Eaton Center. So I met my girlfriend and my other mate there was into beer as well. And she was like, yo, download Brewski me, man. Come on, go and check it. I'm like... I'm not fucking using this app, dude. Like, this is whack. I think it's only shit. And then eventually I got used to untapped and then found that to be a, you know, part of my OCD logging of the beers. I didn't mind doing it. Some people find it a chore. I didn't mind doing it. I'm not a little OCD, so it helps. But it's, it, it started as probably that and just become this beast now that has a festival and they've monetized it in all these different ways. So, I mean, it's, you know... I don't know. We could argue about the ethics of it being its importance yeah. to the beer community now. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, monitor, like, make your money. Like, you've yeah, created a successful app. Yeah, it's not easy, right? Particularly something like that. So, yeah, man. So, well done. What's uh, off topic here? But what's what's you guys? You guys have been doing this for a while. What's your favorite brewery? Like, Ooh, oh, a hot topic. Ooh. This is a yeah. controversial question. There's only one right um, answer. Where? Like, is there, is there, is there a qualifier or is it? Because we're all going to have to answer this now. Ooh. Um, okay. Is it, real I'll quick, though. So, just I'll, before you answer. Okay. Two answers. I want to hear Adam Ontario. what he has to say. Uh, so two answers. Ontario and then beyond. So okay. Ontario would That's be fair. one than anywhere. Nate, you go first. You're putting it. Okay, yeah. so, so, so yeah. I, I had my any, I, I had my anywhere. Now I've like now I've got to think for a second to divide, like to divide this up with Ontario and like and anywhere. So if you've got one at top of mind there, Craig, you go ahead. Mm. So if I said Ontario, because like, we just did a video uh, the other day um, about the best breweries in Canada. Um, if I would say Ontario, I would say overall, I would probably still have to say Bellwoods because they changed the game for me. They were how I got into Haze uh, properly. Um, many different styles I tried first through them, and they had their ups and downs, I believe, as, as a, the quality. I think they're back on the upswing now. There was a bit of a time where they were sort of pretty hit and miss. But overall, like they changed the game. Milkshake IPAs. With um, with haze, with with a bunch of things like that, with their big stouts and barrel aged stouts and food and stuff in Ontario. And if I say outside of Ontario, I would say it would probably have to be either other half. Like every single time I went to New York, we went to other half in Brooklyn, or maybe Foam or Burlington Beer Co. Probably because ah, Vermont, okay. being that we're two hours from Burlington here. You yeah, know, we, yeah. in the before times, once again, we we're going to Trader Joe's every every other month and, and hitting up a bunch of breweries and some friends and doing podcasts and stuff in Vermont. So that scene is super is uh, big to me. But uh, those guys were just doing always doing some amazing stuff out there. 
That's it. So Greg, yeah. my one partner, his wife has a, their family's got a cottage in Vermont that they spent a lot of time in. So we did one of our before COVID, we did a corporate retreat in Vermont. So we went Hell to Burlington, yeah. went to Foam, uh, Alchemist, and then um, I can't remember the other handful of breweries who we went there, but Boston's. it was phenomenal. Like I, I can say that uh, ooh, I can't remember, remember that one. Um, but when we were there, I've never with Hill Farmstead. We did that uh, journey. Nice. Um, I've never had a better IPA than I did in Vermont. Like it, it just, yeah. I, I, it, it reinvigorated my love for double IPAs. Cause I, I feel like at yep. first they were like, um, I almost was intrigued by them maybe from, I don't want to say gimmicky, but like, Oh, double IPA. Cool. I'll try that. And then eventually I got to a point when I was like, I'm not even sure that I really like a double IPA. And then we went to Vermont and I was like, okay, fuck. Yeah. I like a double IPA. Yeah, I had a yeah, I I had a similar experience. Uh, like my first trip to Vermont was like a like was an IPA awakening for me. Oh, uh, like like Vermont will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, and and like in the in the before times, like my wife and I would make trips down to Vermont like a couple of times a year, and it's like I'm really missing that. Like when I when I feel comfortable to travel internationally, again, Vermont is one of the first places I want to go. Um, but coming back to your question, um, if I say favorite brewery in Ontario, one that I'm going to say just because like, I think they're still technically open, even though they're winding down now, is I have to, like, I think I have to say in Ontario, half hours on earth. They, they like, and they, they, like, I mean, while they were still open, are probably one of the best breweries in the country. Um, like no one is like no one in Canada was making farmhouse stuff on that level, short of maybe like Oval in uh, like in Quebec and like and maybe a couple of handful of others. But like, um, like there's still one beer in particular that is just a religious experience for me as advanced drinker. Their uh, like their farmhouse lager that is one of the best beers I've ever had in my life, and. Um, like they were such a strange brewery in that they make like like these wild uh, like bottled farmhouse beers that like that like that would just be absolutely life changing. And then at the same time, they will also make these beers that are like this is like this is a sour double IPA with marshmallows and uh, like with marshmallows and candy and grapefruit and all of these other fucking weird things that don't you wouldn't think should work together but uh, like but for some reason for them it is just spectacular like their black is beautiful while most of them were like were a pretty straight up uh, like ten percent imperial stout, theirs was one. Um, it was a sour, uh, like it was a sour stout with sea salt and uh, like and all of these other things, like something that you shouldn't think would work, but it was just spectacular. Like there's no other brewery that did it like them. So that's my answer for Ontario. Favorite brewery overall. I mean, I could pick one in Vermont very, very easily, but if I'm going right now or even at any point in the last year and a half, Cinquième Baron in uh, like just across the, the river from me here in Ottawa, I think they are one of the breweries that are making some of the best shit in any style across the board. Like they, like they make some fantastic hazy IPAs, some truly outstanding lagers, um, 
the, the, like some uh, like the stouts that their brewer Dimitri can make, um, uh, the, like just purely in his mastery of malts, it's it's unlike anything I the, 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 like I, I've ever tasted before. So. Like they're truly knocking it out across the board. So that like so that's my answer for favorite brewery overall right now. It has to be Saint Kimbo. You boys yeah, are cool. out. Cool. Yeah, your uh, turn now. All right, uh, Ontario is. It's hard. Uh, yeah. I really like Burdock. I think Burdock just crushes like on beer quality. Like they make some of the most consistently fantastic beers I think in Ontario um, I like the wine stuff like the wine grapes they tie into a lot of their beers they make some good sours but I think like just on like a business and beer perspective I really like Blood Brothers mm-hmm. they're big like they've gotten big yep. but they've forged their own path like they it doesn't seem like they're like following like they, they they prop their own yeast like a lot of times it's like just the guys are like really fucking cool like they they're in a like a they started in a like a warehouse right like they don't have like a cool like bellwoods is in a sweet spot when it started right like the blood brothers guys are i, I think they're just crushing it so i'd probably choose them tonight cool, cool. um maybe i'll think That's of another one later and i'll call you guys in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah. my boys <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I changed my yeah, answer. That's, that's okay. I like I, that's okay. I like Blood Brothers as a choice. Yeah, they're good. Um, the rest of the world is even harder. Fuck. I mean, like Hill Farmstead just makes really good beer, but I feel like I'm gonna, it's too basic if I choose Hill Farmstead because uh, it's too it obvious of an answer. It's it like it's like voted number one on so many lists, but it is fantastic beer. The Ooh. trademark is is for a reason, man. Hill Farmstead. Uh, but that's not my choice. My choice is Dogfish Head out of Delaware. Mm-hmm. Dogfish Head was a huge inspiration for me when I was home brewing, and just like hearing their story about how uh, Sam Calagione, or like big Italian name, uh, how he like started his little brew pub, like basically on a homebrew scale. He'd brew a keg's worth of beer, and then he'd brew a different beer, a keg's worth, and he'd brew a different beer, a different keg's worth. And he'd just like be brewing nonstop just to feed his pub. And like everything on tap would be different things. Does that sound familiar? And so like a lot of my inspiration comes from his like learn like just like seeing what he did and what could be done and then just like snowballed from there basically. Yes. Nice. That's a good answer. answer. Well, Adam, now you set this off. Yeah. This is all on you, bro. You got to bring this bitch home. Yeah. I feel like I don't have great, like, uh, not, not, not as good as our answers. answers. Like, I, yeah, no, no, no. I'd say, like, um, Ontario, as much as I would hate to say it, I have answered this question with Bellwoods before, just because I really, uh, not that I think that, like, I, you know, every single beer they pump out is the best beer I've ever had, not to say this bad, but they, uh, they're, Jelly King. That one time I had this like tangerine Jelly King that they made, and to my memory, that is just one of the best beers that I've ever had. Like, yep. you, you know, there's kind of like the, those single beers that um, you might remember that like introduced you to what a beer can be, and that was one of them. Like that, that one was just like holy fuck. And I used to live downtown Toronto, so like that would be a place that I would love to go to. And if I'm in Toronto, that's one of the places that I would 
that I enjoy hitting up. Um, so as much as it's a cliche answer, I'd have to say that would be up there on my list. Um, that's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Worldwide. Um, that's a trickier one. Um, just cause I like to drink a little bit of everything. Um, but, uh, I really have to give some kudos to Sierra Nevada just because I feel like not only I've, I, like I've had a ton of the beers, I've never been there. Um, but to some extent, I have to believe that if they did not exist, then neither would we just because they sort of, in my mind, like spearheaded the craft beer movement before it was even a thing. Right. That was just them, um, taking off at a time that there was a bunch of big beer companies where, you know, the experts would have predicted that we we're going to get down to two or three big companies. We're just going to make all of the beer for all of the states. And because of them, it, it sort of changed back to how it was pre-prohibition where instead of market getting, you know, less and less companies make more and more volume because of them, it flipped it the other way where it was, you know, more and more companies making more and more different things because of the market for it. Good point. So, yeah, go go them. Love yeah, it. that's a good answer. Some solid answers we got here, boys. Um, I feel like at this point we're sitting at two hours forty. It's pretty damn solid. Of uh, wow. yeah. <laughs> was there anything else we wanted to touch on, or we feel like we're pretty much? Uh... Let's just apologize to your listeners for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was pretty engaging content right here, fellas. Yeah, think, it really uh, was. This yeah, was just, feel free to been... cut out all the, the stuff that wasn't that Yeah, you, you probably you can whittle this down in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They're going to have to listen to it, goddammit, because that's how we get down here. I think yeah, it was that's interesting. How that's how we roll. That's how we, we do it. Now, what I want to do, I want to take the thumbnail. I'm going to take a screenshot yes. of the screen here. Do you guys want to hold up one of the uh, the bottles? Oh, God. How do I look? Sure. Gorgeous. Oh, oh, you stunning. Yeah. You look awful, Ryan. There we go. Yeah, get that uh, closer to you. There you go. There you there go. You go. Y'all ready? Yeah. Oh, that is stunning. Gorgeous. Um, boys, this has been a real fascinating conversation. Thank you both once again for your time. This is Awesome. Um, where can everybody find Daft online or yourselves individually if you would like, whoever would like to go? Yeah, so uh, yeah, easiest way would be just our Instagram. So it's uh, Daft Brewing Co. Um, we've got a website, daftbrewing.com. Uh, and then I would say to reach out to us, it'd just be through those avenues. So you'll find all of our emails and contacts just through those channels. Perfect. Amazing. This is best. Perfect. So get, keep keep an eye on that. You guys are doing regular, are you doing weekly releases? Is it bi-weekly? It's pretty close to weekly. Pretty close to weekly. All right. So stay tuned to the Instagram. Make sure you follow. Keep up to date. I love it. Um, I'm just going to wrap this up. Stick around afterwards and we'll, we'll wrap it up uh, off air. But um, Uncle Nathan, where can everyone find you online? Hang on. No, we'll point this way. We'll back up here now. Yep. So on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, it's at Nathan Does Beer. You can also find me on the BAOS podcast blog. All of my blogs are a quick link at NathanDoesBeer.com. And uh, you can also find me here co hosting BAOS podcast. Damn right, you can. God damn it. And uh, guys, thank you so much for following, uh, for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash thumbs up. 
hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell. How does that sound, mate? Ding. So you know when the new new drops, follow us on social media at BOS Podcast and check out the long form audio so you can hear extraordinarily attractive individuals like Uncle Ryan and this way, Uncle Adam. Talk about craft beer. We go live, uh, not live, let's say live. Let's see, I get, get that confused. Everything goes uh, public 8 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday night for the podcast and the video. So make sure you tune in. Boys, once again, thank you all for your uh, for your time. This was such a fantastic conversation. Beers were A1. You guys are beautiful. Appreciate you all. We'll see you guys next week. Get in thanks here. for having us. Yeah, thanks. Cheers. Cheers, y'all.